Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Daily Transcendence Podcast. I'm G.O.D. And I'm Ray. And we're your hosts. Take a journey with us into the realms of some of humanity's most inner thoughts and theories about what lies before us and beyond the other side. Take a step back with us from the day-to-day heavy burdens of this constant evolving life. From awakening the collective, astrology, the spiritual divine, holistic health, shamanism, and quantum theory, to the frequencies and vibrations of our universe, history, religion, numerology, and so much more. We spend countless hours researching to bring you the breakdown of information from some of the greatest minds in these fields and even our own experiences. We're here to challenge your thoughts so that you can reshape your own minds and beliefs into ones that better serve you. We hope you enjoy the discussions about the supernatural and the ancient knowledge that we have become so fond of and we wish to share with you so that it may also help you on your quest in this human experience we're living. Let the transcendence begin. Godspeed and share on. Like and subscribe to The Daily Transcendence on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. To show support for the show, we ask you to join us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. There you can find more content, updates on new episodes, and more personal interactions from both Gio and I. We want to hear from you all and connect, so message us or email us at thedailytranscendence at gmail.com. As always, we entirely appreciate your support in allowing us to bring you this transmission. All right, welcome back to the Daily Transcendence podcast. Uh, today, we're here with the amazing Ann Wolke and Jax Atlantis. Anne is a historian and professor who specializes in the history of the Renaissance era and European Middle Ages. Uh, Jax is a 15-year plus spiritual leader who has studied tarot mediumship, ESP, remote viewing, and astrology. And we're having both of these guys on because we feel it's absolutely relevant to everything going on in the world. Not only are we obsessed with the astrological area of studies, but Anne's bringing another area that we're probably not well adept, we're not adept in where it's it's history and how we're going to compare the astrology and history and how things are repeating because we've been talking about how we're we're going through these cycles and these cycles tend to be naturally occurring and there's a lot of people out there in the community that tend to think everything's a conspiracy that everything is human and that divine intervention has nothing to do with it we barely hear anybody talk about that so we're excited to have these guys on. Uh, we'll start with Jax. So Jax, how did you end up here today, buddy? Well, um, it's definitely a long story. I'm trying to think of the short way to tell it. I suppose, you know, I've always, I've always been interested in the occult. I've always been interested in um, spirit. I've always been interested in, you know, ESP. I would say it really all began with mediumship. Um, that was the first thing that really opened up for me when I was young. And that led me into learning about tarot. And I learned about tarot in a very sort of academic way from my mom. Um, she, had, she was the one who taught me. And that was when I was 15. And then I s- slowly started to really get into astrology and mythology. 
Um, and I started to notice all these, you know, uh, cross sections where they were connecting and I, I got into philosophy as well. And then um, what really happened is at about the age of 27, that was the point at which I was like, you know, I need to leave behind this, you know, classic nine to five situation because I'm so dispassionate in that, you know, uh, arena. I don't feel that I'm, you know, my most useful self. I don't feel like I'm a most honest self either. Um, and so I left it behind and I just, you know, uh, I went online and on Facebook originally, and I started going live and doing tarot readings and talking about astrology. And, um, I started working for high vibe TV, uh, for a long time and essentially just started, you know, going out there. And now I, I, uh, work on YouTube. Um, you know, I create some videos on YouTube, TikTok, um, and I have a website, jackslanis.com where I teach people, um, how to do astrology. Um, I, did readings for a long time, but now I, my entire focus is just on teaching people how to do astrology. Beautiful. And that's actually how we found both you guys was yeah. high vibe TV. Uh, it started with astrology for us, which was huge. So, and, uh, take the, take the lead, introduce yourself. Okay. Well, I'm Ann Wolke and, um, I stumbled upon the three of you through high vibe TV. Also, um, I had actually gone to an event at the TV studios over in at high vibe, uh, with my mom, who is the one in my family who was always into astrology and spirituality. And she had introduced me to the Leo King because she's a Leo. I think that's how a lot of people stumble upon the Leo King and has to do with Leos. Um, and I remember, I don't, I don't even know how this happened, but sort of all of a sudden this person came leaping across the studio to me and saying, your birthday is October 19th. My birthday is October 18th. And it was Jack's Atlanta. So this is how I got to know Jack's, but he was speaking at the event that um, I happened upon. And I guess I found out from talking to David Palmer there at that event that he had a real interest in history also. And we did some shows on history and astrology and um, I don't know, the rest is history. And here I am. I don't know what else you asked. Um, so please feel free to ask more, but I do have to correct that. I am not a medieval historian because real medieval historians would know a lot more about the middle ages than me. I focus more on 16th through 18th century. Okay. Got to correct the details there. Yeah. Gio. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that, that's on me, that one. So how did you get into like, you know, really finding your place with history and the interest in it? Like, was that always like a thing like for you? You know, my dad was a history major in college and my parents both, you know, I grew up and was born in California and grew up here. And when you're from California, you think that you don't have a lot of history here because all the history they would teach you in schools was all about back east where you guys are from. And, you know, the, that was where the real history was. But my parents also were really into um, the history of the West and they would drive us around to historic sites and we would travel to their house, their home, their homelands in Kansas and Washington state. And along the way, we'd stop at all the historic sites. So I think history was always part of my present. You know, I just always have been interested in 
um, actually in, in the history of wherever I am. And I've always sort of felt connected to it. And it's always felt alive to me. I know that a lot of people don't like history, but there are definitely really bad history teachers who can kill his ear love of history. I think, you know, so. Astrology for me made me love history because then I started seeing, because I'm a big matrix code person. A lot of the conversation tonight will be about that and how things repeat and seep through the matrix code because this fractal universe tends to leak out those cycles. And it made me, Love history. Now, I was terrible in history. Uh, it wasn't because I always saw it as like, how is this relevant to me? And all, all because it's a story as well. It's like, what what can be skewed? I, I you know, Pluto Scorpio here. So same for GL, I'm pretty sure. Jax, Pluto Scorpio. Yeah. So I think our whole generation has just this tendency to question things. So history, because it's we're so used to corruption nowadays, and it's hard to trust anything that... Mm-hmm to have a professional historian confident and also not with an agenda go along for the love of it and learn it for the love of it is a much trustworthy person uh, to, to, to go with that. And one who's been surrounded by more than one astrologer in her life. So that gave me my reason uh, for loving it. I know geo, since we started the podcast has been all about history as well. We actually did a segment on Rome, the Vatican, the Jesuit order, uh, and all of that and how that all changed. So I'd love actually tonight to get your perspective on that as well. But I, I, I do get it. Most people don't have a reason to to want to love history or learn it because of there's a trust factor. But astrology, I think, is the is the giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny for, for me. It's like I've always loved history ever since I was like younger. And like I was always full of questions. And I'd ask my parents and, you know, like my dad's an immigrant, you know, from Sicily, like my mom, basically, you know, she's basically the same thing as well. You know, she was born here, but, you know, both of her parents. So it's like nobody really knew anything. I'd ask questions about our family, like, you know, beforehand, like 1800s, what happened? You know, she's like, I have no idea. You'd have to look that stuff up. And I'm like, how? I'm like, how do you not know these things? How did you not? How were you not curious? And they're like, oh, we didn't care about it. Meantime, when we would go places, I remember when we went to Virginia, I was like eight years old and I'm sitting there fascinated, like not wanting to go like certain places. And I'm like, wow, can you imagine like, they're like, what you're looking at? You're just looking at a building. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but imagine the different types of people that walk through here, like, and all this stuff, like, I'm like really connecting with it at this time. And they're like, all right, come on, let's go. We ain't got time. <laughs> what so, kind of parents are those? Uh, oh no. Just real, real Italian kind of on, on in a hurry all the time <laughs> type of parents. That's, that's really it. And it's no, funny because now that's how most people are though. I yeah. think and it's funny though. Cause now when it comes to things, they're like, oh yeah, they'll turn to me. They're like, oh he, yeah, no, he knows about like, that time or those types of things and stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always love it. I love hearing more about it. And especially mm-hmm. like Ray said, when, with the connection with a lot of astrological things and, and just seeing patterns as well, especially yeah. in society, it's, it's, it's really, really fascinating. And there is something, to, something to learn and to end up being aware of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I mean, the story angle is really why I became interested in history. I think, besides the fact that it was always in my life, I never wanted to be a historian. I didn't think about that as a career possibility, but you know, my 
my whole life growing up, I have tons of Scorpio in my chart. Also, I don't have Pluto and Scorpio, but I was always researching stuff. And I really just loved our family history as well. And I actually studied filmmaking first. I, I wanted to be a historical filmmaker or I wanted to do documentary films. Um, and along the way, I just realized how much I loved history and I wanted to continue on doing research in, in that and then ended up all of a sudden getting, you know, on the track to get a PhD in history and, mm. you know, but it's just been great. I love it. it. And it combines all of my interests because I've also always had kind of that mystical interest as well. And wanting to find out about lost, lost knowledge, right. Or uncover ancient civilizations. So yeah, it all kind of leads us here to these questioning places. So yeah, I haven't heard Jack. So whether he do you like history, actually? I, and I was I before, even, he, before he answers, I was about to say Jack's Atlantis. Atlantis is. I think a big part of what we call right. history, right? So, yeah. Must. Uh, well, so to me, it's interesting. I would say that astrology is the only thing that in any way, shape or form provoked the the passion for learning about history prior to that point my mindset quite literally was like, well, that's not really relevant to me now. So, you know, I just like, like I was really interested in ancient religions, spiritualities and ideas. I was really interested in learning about like the history of philosophies and how they bloomed in, you know, societies and through the collective, but I had zero interest in the events at all. Until, of course, I read uh, Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche. And that book is the number one like historical astrology book that I would recommend to everyone who's ever even considered, you know, like maybe I'll, you know, be interested in astrology. Maybe I'll look at it, read that book. And he'll walk you through all of these placements of Uranus and Pluto, of Neptune and Pluto. He'll go over all these different cycles. And it's just, it's utterly mind-blowing the amount of stuff that he, um, that he compiled. He compiled so much data about historical events in, in connection to that. And so after reading that, I was like, okay. And it's funny because I purchased the book right when it came out um, years before I actually read it. So I had this book sitting on my shelf for years and then I finally opened it and I was like, oh my God, I should have read this sooner. So uh, yeah, it's Cosmos and Psyche, Richard Tarnas. It's a really amazing book. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I actually, I read um, Dean Rudyard. Uh, He had a book called Astrological Timing. That was my first insight. And on top of what ended with uh, David Palmer, uh, with um, the episode one of that history show you guys did, Um, you know, you talked about history in the stars, history in the stars, right? Yeah. With King, the King James Bible. Right. Right. And so that, that also sparked it. And then the whole thing with the the pandemic, uh, Saturn, Pluto conjunction, and Mm -hmm. how that tends to re-spark up a plague every time. And it's like this um, very weird, cryptic way of the universe saying, Hey, time to clean out what isn't useful anymore. Um, so yeah. And that's seeing that it goes right along with what we were talking about in the past few months with the matrix code and how, uh, you know, a lot of people with history and like myself, I know I could probably speak for a lot of people they'll read history. And it's like, like how Jack said, is this relevant? That's one. And two, it's like, should I believe it? Because we've, uh, and I'd like to get your insight Anne, on this is in the past, say, 100 years, maybe a little less, that there's been a lot of skewing with history and what they tell us. Is that true? 
What do you mean? Like that they but, don't tell us the whole truth or? Yeah. Like history books, I tend to, uh, you know, I've fallen upon a lot of like the mud flood, Tartaria, stuff like that. Um, mm. it, the people tend to be finding a lot of information about, say, even in the past, say, 400 years. I'm not mentioning mm-hmm. the when I say the past 100 years, I say the history books and what they've told us up to that point. Like, can it be limited? Can it be skewed with? Is that possible? And as a historian, can you reflect on that and, and see that, that maybe they have changed things? Hmm. Well, history is always shifting and always changing. You know, I, I mean, that's part of what you learn when you go through history training is all about perspective and how to read documents to, well, I mean, actually every time reads historical documents differently. So if you think about the time of the ancient Romans, they were writing histories and actually for a completely different reason than, than why we write history today. I all of a sudden started to think I was muted. (laughs) Sorry. But um, I was like, Oh, great. I'm pontificating and I'm muted. But um, so the, for the ancient Romans or maybe even the early Christians um, history served a purpose for being exemplary. So it would give people these models of virtue for you to live up to. And so the only people whose stories were virtuous, of course, were the really well-known, you know, noble people in society. And so, you know, I could go on about, you know, the first historians and when they started to think, hey, maybe we should capture other history and talk about what actually happened in the past. But really, you know, what you're limited by are these things. What type of questions are people interested in today? What type of questions do we want to know about? And also what types of things were written down or in some way recorded? Because historians... um, look at all sorts of evidence. You know, we look at architecture, we look at material culture, things people used in their homes. We look at, we look at diaries, we look at official records. Um, We look at cultural beliefs and people, you know, like there's an anthropologically informed type of history where we think about what people believe and try to, you know, go back from that into the past. I mean, so really, I would have to say history is always skewed and it's always skewed by what we want to know. So that's, I guess, to me, that's where we need to focus. We should focus on asking different questions of history because there's all kinds of evidence there. We just have to shift what we are looking for. I love that. I love that because I bring that up because we're going to be talking about the Salem witch trials not only through what you know about it, also what Jax maybe can bring to the table about the astrological events maybe surrounding that. Also, the I don't know if you're, uh, I'm pretty sure you know the United States uh, birth chart and all of that, yeah. uh, Jax. So, I mean, a lot of it had to do with, because uh, I looked into this a little bit with the Neptune. Um, I think it was the opposition of Neptune and Pisces to United States Neptune Virgo. And, and the, that being the United States... Um, the, that being the Neptune for the United States is that it tends to have a Puritan uh, t- type of value system where we want to be a pure, uh, you know, a country and and live by the, you know, just just by purity. And so right. I, brought, I brought that up, too, because w- with history is so important, to, I guess, to get it right and ask the right questions. And a lot of people are good at assuming 
And a lot of people are good at actually just following the leader. Um, and a lot of the stories can be told by the, you know, that one quote of, um, well, history is only told by the winners in a sense. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in that, that of course, that with human agenda, human created agenda and what, and what we're going through today with agenda, um, that, that with getting the history right, or at least having the open mind and getting out of the uncertainty and being open to listening to people is absolutely the most important like mindset thing we can know right now. Yeah. So that's why I brought that up. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, Jax, do you have anything to say about with history, with knowing say astrologically or not, do you have anything to say about the, the skewing of things or how um, the, the clock. Oh yeah. You're asking about how people, yeah. Retroactively change. Well, and yeah, in, in today's world, um, I feel well, so there's a, a few things in that for one, things can now be retroactively skewed as they're happening. They can be skewed very literally, like just the way we release information, the timing we release it and the way in which we can quickly within just the span of a couple of weeks, go back and start editing previous things that were published, um, you know, live, essentially we can publish them while they're out in the wild and they're already published on the internet. Um, it, that's something that, that already has a ton of ramifications and a lot of things that's been happening in the past Basically, not just since 2020, since 2015, really. That's like, it feels like a lot of the misinformation and a lot of, uh, you know, news media organizations in their practice of basically, you know, psych driving and all of that. Uh, that's been something that's been going on for years in many different ways, but it's really accelerated all of a sudden with the internet. But I would say uh, one big thing is that I think Neptune gets a lot of the brunt of what Neptune and Uranus are up to. You know, like, I, I think that I think when we look forward, and we, we also look back, and we're trying to edit how we think things are going to go, basically, that if our system stays as is, we're heading towards pure turmoil, and it's pure dystopia, or these other guys are going to take over, and it's pure dystopia in this other way. And also, of course, looking back that it was dystopia, that that's what we come from. All of this is is all problematic. It's all an issue. Um, and, and that feels incredibly dishonest. And I would say Uranus essentially is willing to bring up influence into the collective and to influence a conversation. Like for instance, Uranus Taurus right now is it, no one is being forced in any way to talk about socialism versus capitalism. However, Uranus Taurus has the influence of the conversation. What belongs to you? What should belong to you? What belongs to us, right, as a society? And, um, you know, in Uranus and Aries, there is very much all about the revolution of the individual as well as the revolution of masculinity. And the way that we're going to talk about that in a few years from now is going to be really interesting. And I feel that you know, and this is sort of going on a rant, but in the present day, it kind of feels as though so much has happened over the last five years that we're not ever going to go back and talk and like fully address what happened. And I, I believe with Uranus Gemini, we absolutely are. I think, I think Uranus Gemini is going to be eight years straight of rehashing everything that has happened from 2015 to now. Um, and that it's going to be really interesting. So the word history is is to me evolving it doesn't we we sort of can't have a history of what happened now through 2010 because of what we are now aware of is false that we were told you know like the amount of things i'm not talking about conspiracy theories i'm talking about things that have just been confirmed we were told something publicly it got recorded as the truth it's how we refer back to it so history is something that 
needs to go through a thorough and, uh, you know, like almost like you were saying, a puritanical cleansing process in a way in order to actually have objective data. Otherwise, history kind of like stopped in the 90s or early 2000s, you know? Yeah, and I'm going to so. pass it over. Awesome, dude. And that's why I love having both you guys on because I'm going to kind of play volleyball. And Gio, before I ask uh, and something, because we're going to, a big focus in the beginning here is going to be about the Salem witch trials. So, and why is that? Because there tends to be this similar energy going on. And not only that, but if we look at the charts in the sky, not only are we experiencing something like the Salem witch trial, but also a civil war, also a revolutionary war, uh, a Pluto return, which is signifying the, the, the coming back to kind of wiping out everything. I would get, I would say this is uh, from a brief understanding, but kind of a death and rebirth of a country uh, and its and its values, right? And its value system, because Capricorn is its second house. Um, so Gio, before I, I ask Anne anything, you have anything to add on to that? Well, yeah, I think that's why I like really going into and showing even the whole the whole backdrop of the Salem witch trials. And like, you know, when we, th- that's one thing. And that's why I like to get the clarity of the history, like, and the lead up to the after effect, like not always just maybe sometimes in that moment, because there's a lot of things that, you know, as societies, like we, we tend to like, remember the very few details and stuff. You try to bring it up Salem to, to, to most people, the most people they'll, they'll bring up very basic information and stuff and Mm. not realize the fact that there's so much more driven behind it. I feel like, and that's one thing that, and I feel like you can really um, kind of clarify as well. Um, Cause there's certain things that I'm starting to see as well when it comes to that, especially as it's parallel to current events as well, like how there's so much more psychological influence that happened during that time as well. Um, you know, that there, it's more than just, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the heresies of, of what, you know, what, what people were trying to, to do and coming, coming at certain groups of people as well, because they actually believed that they were witches or something like, it seems like there was more to it. And like I said, that how it runs parallel to current events and stuff, it, it really can show a lot more for our own awareness when it comes to nowadays, when it comes to, you know, certain repeating patterns we've seen after that, before that as well. Um, like, uh, and, and like, um, especially with the astrology as well, like you can kind of pick apart and decode those psychological influences that kind of, kind of led the way and how things were bred to become what they did, what they were. And, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see that. And then also to get a different perspective as well on maybe some of those occurrences um, when it comes to how some people even look at the occult or what magic is and, you know, the, you know, the reality and also realizing that, you know, in some sort of way, we all perform some sort of magic. We all have some sort of ritual that we do Mm -hmm. and breaking it down and seeing it in this way, we'll be able to really notice how that is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and I could just add on like about the witch trial. I think what what strikes me the most, and this is what I want to, I would love to hear from you is what followed the witch trial was apologies, uh, realizing they were wrong 
seeing through the veil in a way of saying, hey, I think we unjust, we were unjust in our decision to kill all these people, which was something that caught my eye the most relating it to now, relating it to what's going on. And I have a certain opinion I'd like to give after we go through this on who we, who the witches are today, because there's a few things I've heard from even astrologers that they are calling certain groups, the witch, like they're comparing them to being the witches and being condemned. But back in the Salem witch trial era, you had those people being at first who condemned the witches being just in the fact saying they are witches, that they are practicing this thing, they are whatever. And they were the ones claiming some false victimization. Hmm. Um, you guys both said so much. <laughs> I don't know where to start. But one thing I do want to say, so if we back up from, you know, whether or not they were actual witches or the individual thinking about the individuals. Yes. Today, I actually I taught about witchcraft because I was talking about King James and we focused on demonology. Um, and so I, I texted Jax earlier today and said, we need to think about the 1560s and 70s because actually what I found really interesting and, you know, every time I teach it, I re I look over everything again and, and different themes jump out at you because, you know, historians are always informed by, by our own con present concerns. And so what really jumped out at me was the fact that witch trials in Europe really spiked they, and, and laws started to change about what was witchcraft um, that happened really around the 1560s and 70s. You start to get this first real burst of witch trials. And that's it's not a coincidence that that happens after the Reformation has really split apart the Catholic church's dominance in Western Europe. And so, I mean, I'm sure that this could go into a million other conspiracy theories about whatever might be happening today and whatever. But I really see that what was happening at that time was kind of like an institutional shift where the church is starting to lose its power. The states are starting to gain it. And along with that transfer of power or paradigm shift is coming this, this switch in what is it that we believe? What's the dogma that we're supposed to believe as good, not good citizens, good subjects of those states and the people who are being condemned as witches, as we all know, are the people who were sitting at the margins of all of the accepted beliefs that the state is starting to believe or when someone like king james in scotland is starting to try to consolidate his power before he becomes king of england he starts to think about you know ways to condemn outsiders or ways to build scapegoats who will be those who get blamed for things that go wrong in the state. It, um, so you really see these new types of religion emerging that are, it's not just Christian anymore or Cal Roman Catholic or Protestant. It is like the church of England or the church, the Christian church in which King James is the king, right? So these Christian um, Christian beliefs really start to shift 
and they come into line with whatever the prince or the king or the queen believes in the area where they where they have those religions. So or where they have that faith. So I think that's really interesting um, in terms of thinking about if you think about science today. Right. And how what is science or what's scientific, what's evidence, what is a fact gets shifted based on what what do we want the facts to be right or what is the acceptable fact so anyway i don't want to talk too much about it i don't know whether you're no, whether this no, no. Be a fact checked so like that's i think a big goal for our podcast is one we're both both mercurial you're allowed to rant rave <laughs> say what you want on this gemini sun and uh gemini midheaven for geo Virgo mid no. Sagittarius and Gemini rising. rising. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. this is right. aqua rising. Virgo rising. Jax so. will keep us, you yeah. know, centered. <laughs> I'll just, whenever things are getting stale, I'll just press the detonator. <laughs> there you go. But, yeah. and what you were saying though, like something that, that I feel like that runs, that runs with that, that I thought was interesting, an interesting kind of concept to co- to kind of go along with like the fueling of what led to even the witch trials in Europe was kind of like this, you know, seeing from like the 1300s, um, you know, it, it tends to see that there was like almost a rise in modernization, but like, then you have the black plague, uh, the black plague, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and like that happens and it's in the process. It's happening during the process of these hierarchies um, and this kind of I don't want to say industrialization, but like this modernization kind of like forming and with trade as well um, in, in Europe. And it seems as though like there became like a labor shortage. Um, because of a lot of people obviously getting sick and a lot of people dying as well. And it's like business needed to continue as usual. So therefore it's like the, the people that were able to work, um, almost like they start demanding for higher wages. They start demanding to, you know, Hey, you need people to work. So now I'm in favor of being able to be like, Hey, you need to pay me more. Um, so it almost seems like, you know, that whole thing kind of like, you can even say that this kind of capitalistic way of of moving through the ages and like not through the ages through through time with all this happening kind of like puts like like kneecaps the um the hierarchies in their overall control that they were kind of having so mm-hmm. doesn't it seem like in a way that that was a good way especially with religion and the churches and stuff being able to kind of like go after and attack some of these heretics and kind of pin people against each other as well to kind of create this divisiveness, like in a sort of sense, like there's more, there's more to say on that as well. Like where it's kind of like, this was like the fuse that was lit. And then, you know, therefore you have like the rise of peasants and workers and it's running parallel with the, the modernity and capitalism along with the conquest of the new world, then eventually, and then the rise of slave trade. And it's like the witch trials seem to become a part of like a larger struggle to like settle, like a social antagonism that kind of started in Europe and then was making its way over into the landings in the new world. 
And then the class systems were being created there. And then it's like, there's a conflict of interest between the workers and the people uh, that wanted to start new and work less with higher wages while the bosses wanted workers to work as much as possible uh, for as little as possible. So it's like this inner logic of kind of being like, Hey, we can find a way of using what we have already, whether it's religion and, you know, you know, there was already the hair, hair, you know, the heretics like being spewed out of being like, Hey, this, this person's going against the church this is going against this type of status quo as well. Um, and fueling it. And then especially attacking women almost like for their own fertility and the own knowledge of their own reproductive technology, basically. Like, do you, do you have like a certain sort of way of like that, that kind of comes into play? Well, I mean, you, you went over a lot of history. <laughs> so you kind of ended up in the 19th or the high 19th century sort of, but I think what's interesting, you started by talking about, um, let me think about like, okay, so the black death mm -hmm. and when the black death came around, uh, yeah, a third of the population was wiped out in Europe. And mm -hmm. what that did though, was it actually created wages because people were mostly tied to the land. They were serfs and peasants. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, in order to get people to do the work that needed to get done so that people could have could eat right because it's a subsistence i can't talk subsistence economy yeah, um you know they you, you had to start paying wages to tempt people to do extra work on top of maybe doing their own farming mm -hmm. and so that actually is sort of the beginning process like if you looked at the development of capitalism if you want to look at sort of a marxist view that's where capitalism begins is after the black death, but we don't have to look at it from that perspective because it does shift a lot. Um, and also it allows people to start to question the church for the first time. And it does things like it would allow people to, um, to create their own new types of religious communities, or it would allow women to start speaking more and deciding they want to develop some types of religious communities. Um, so it does shift a lot about society and over many, many years that gradually allows then sort of the kings and princes, the heads of state to step in and to be able to take more control of religion and to, to take away the control of religion away from the papal authority in Rome and, and try to locate that more in their own state, whether it's just protecting the Pope's right to be able to continue to be the head of the church, right? Because he's political as well. He's got armies as well, having to protect his own interests, you know, or it could be breaking away from the church and creating a completely different church. So it really kind of fractures a lot. And then it's at the point where I'm trying to think, you know, there were always inquisitions and things like that. Um, for a long, I mean, from the late middle ages, but what starts to happen is, um, they start to institutionalize being able to try witches and it's happening as the States kind of gain more of a firm footing. Um, so it doesn't, it's not really the church actually that's pro prosecuting a lot of the witches. It's the States doing it in the name of religious belief. 
So it's mm. kind of part of the centralizing process of states, I think. Mm. But Yeah, it seems almost like religion also is kind of used as a front in a way to kind of for maybe some of the hierarchies, whether it's the church or, you know, you know, lords and stuff and to be able to keep control. It's okay. (laughs) To keep their like economic control in a way, because that's, they just kind of seem like to be riding, you know, the religious bus of, you know, what you can and what you can't do, especially with everybody breaking off and seeming like they're almost losing control. There's not really like a united front in Europe you know, and that's in that sort of sense. So, you know, and and that's one thing that I found very interesting with that concept of saying maybe like, as that led through time. And like, one thing I think people don't realize as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like in a way, women did have, now I'm not going to say which period, maybe, maybe more so late 1400s into 1500s, like started developing a little bit of like an autonomy, like, and having developing guilds as well of their own and stuff. And like, this was a way to like break that down, especially even with the whole labor thing as well, to be able to steal property and and products as well, and then be able to convince and influence even the men to kind of like have a divide with women as well, especially when it came to wages and 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 basically what they can and can't do as well and it's almost like i that's where i feel like it almost plays a similar role to things now where it's like oh let's use certain divisive tactics like politics let's use certain divisive tactics like you know um you know gender and and race as well and it's like let them hash out and divide it so that there's not a united front when we're trying to take control of a certain uh, or just to, to pers- like move the economy into a certain way of whichever way that wants to be sculpted. I'm not saying which way it is or what's what's wanting to be done in some sort of sense, but almost like its own disillusionment, like its own way of just kind of like putting putting the veil over the people as well. And I feel like there is a similar aspect when it comes to then, you know, obviously moving through time and then even currently. And I think mm-hmm. it's pretty funny because I think there is a lot of astrological stuff. And I think Jax, you'd, you'd be able mm-hmm. to like show that as well, that whether it's referencing the astrology then and now as well, like that Neptune kind of Pisces. shows that a little bit. I would think, right? Neptune Pisces, you mentioned Uranus. And even the, I looked at, I just looked, the nodes were in Aquarius. Could this be eventually, this could, and that's divine feminine energy, isn't it? So, or the- well, so- I've heard is supposed to be the harbor in the divine feminine first in a way. Right. Well, the first thing I want to comment on for sure, Gio is um, the, is as you were talking about essentially this being a, you know, a tactic, this being something where, you know, uh, the autonomy of women was becoming more and more inevitable. This is essentially the one and only hail Mary that they had, you know, mm-hmm. like there, there was nothing else that was going to stand in the way of that. Unless of course they just simply made rules that say women can't do this, which would be ham handed, but you give it all of a sudden the, the, the appearance of, you know, you're doing this on behalf of God. And then it's like, okay, now we're in business. Now we can, you know, now we can do this. And I'm sure that it also caused some serious rifts between men. You know, I'm sure that there was a lot of men that felt like so awful about this, but at the same time felt that they couldn't speak out and a direct, just like you were saying, Ray, you know, um, yeah, Neptune in Pisces is obviously a big part of it, 
our ability to use um, our ability to use illusions uh, as a way of you know accomplishing Capricornian ends um, is you know can't be underestimated with Neptune and Pisces. Um, and you know if you take for example in current age we have Pluto and Capricorn, and then you've got uh, Neptune and Pisces. You have uh, this perfect mixture where we got to remember Capricorn's third house is Pisces, and the ability to use power, the ability to use. Um, the illusion of power essentially is all through speech and it's through other people's acceptance of that speech being true deep down in all of our hearts since the beginning of time, we've always had intuition. You know, we've always had the ability to feel something wasn't right with that. And so whether or not we stood up to it because we felt afraid is another question, but you have all this happening while you have Uranus and Taurus, just like you had it Uranus and Taurus back then. So Neptune, Pisces, Uranus, Taurus, and that conversation is very interesting as well, because with Uranus and Taurus, you have the um, upheaval of tradition in which the funny thing is there is no one marker that says, you know, like you can't measure a woman's autonomy technically. You know, it's like she she has like a little bit more freedom than she did five years ago, for sure. A little bit more than 10 years ago, for sure. But you can't exactly measure it. So it's it's more of this feeling that they felt as though something traditional was being upended and that Uranus was causing havoc with the modernization. And, you know, they have to, they have to stop it by any means necessary. So it's almost like they, they really dug into that Neptune power and, uh, and couldn't bring themselves to accept, uh, the Iranian, you know, push for a, a new order of things, you know, a new, um, a new, uh, system, you know, that had been seen up to that point. And the Uranus Taurus, no, that's why I brought up North Node Aquarius as well, because that's the dispositor. And not only yeah. that, at that particular point, as I look at the charts of 1692, Pluto was in, uh, in Cancer. So that's yeah. absolute opposite and almost to the exactly. degree. Almost. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. really close. So what, in, in a way there, like relating it back, since we have a lot of similar things, because that's opposite, what elements change there? when it comes to the, the role that Pluto was playing then to now. And obviously, of course, I could already probably assume government because Pluto cap Capricorn. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I mean, in one way you have Pluto cancer, the other side, you have Pluto Capricorn. So Pluto Capricorn, you have the individual's perception of its place and its power among a government. So especially in our you know, country where um, Pluto Capricorn, so the individual is a political unit versus, of course, Pluto and Cancer, where it's the individual versus their family as both, you know, sort of a nebulous place in which the family is kind of a political unit still at this point. And rather than being the individual being a political unit. Wow. Hmm. Beautiful. No, and so, so then you can totally see it then. Obviously, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, interruptions within the family at that time. And probably in this era, that plays a huge part with state and church and the yeah. condemnation that's being experienced through that. And then so we do see a lot of these parallels then playing out. And then I guess what I would recommend to any listener would up to this point is, you start seeing these things and what I, I feel astrology is best used for, and especially having an historian at hand, is when you understand the story of history and the dates and what happened, and then you relate it to the astrological chart and you see the energies being used. It's not about going to find your dream job all the time or all the positive, lighthearted. This is another thing I have a problem with the conscious community is it's all unicorns, fairies, and, and whatever. And yet, 
astrology is best used to see the, the, the troubles, the, the blocks, the things that are, are preventing us from evolution or the things we have to work through to evolve. And a lot of yeah. people, I think, overlook that because they sprinkle a lot of the positive stuff on to astrology. And if you look back during the witch trials, it's not really that positive what's happening, but leads to a positive outcome because things change. Yeah, I like to, I mean, I, and I don't know how this matches with your, um, with what we were going to talk about a little bit later in the episode, but I always like to just think of uh, benefic and malefic energies as just uh, additive and subtractive energy, you know, um, that rather than it being positive or negative in the spectrum of good and evil, positive or negative in the spectrum of its outcome, you know, like, does its outcome subtract from the uh, sovereignty of the individual or does it add to the sovereignty of the individual? You know, if you measure it like that, then astrology in a way helps you navigate what influences are going to be affecting the, you know, likelihood of, of things being subtracted. And of course, your response, what it has to be versus the things that are going to be handed out. And in what way are you going to you know, keep things conservative or be your own subtraction mark to keep things balanced? Beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. And Anne, isn't it like even... Isn't that, I mean, because you were saying even about King James and, you know, with demonology and stuff, um, would, wouldn't it be also prior to that? That's when really the, the maleficia like type of term was starting to being thrown out more. And unlike also how if we're if we're saying seeing people, you know, traveling to the new world and a lot of times we know it as on a basic standpoint of trying to create a new life uh, um, to leave from religious persecution and stuff. How does that end up, you know, still manifesting even in the new world, even with this kind of like almost collective concept of trying to escape from that very thing? Yeah, it's really interesting. You really kind of see the, the way ideas when you react against an idea, a lot of times then the pendulum swings, swings back to the opposite, right? So when you have the Puritans who left England, went to the Netherlands, and then they go to the new, to their new world, I guess I should say. It's funny that actually, like I want to back up a little bit to something that um, you guys mentioned, Jack Saray, Pluto was in cancer, huh? So it's like, wanting to create your own home, your version of what's perfect. I'm sorry, my dog, this guy is having some issues tonight <laughs> and he keeps licking me when he's on the floor. That's why I finally picked him up because he's, he wants to be on camera, I guess. But, um, uh, so, so what I'm thinking though, is, is that, yeah, King James in demonology and before that, the Malleus Maleficarum, which came out in the 15th century, you know, they're starting to gradually say witchcraft isn't just something that you define as an act, something that people can do to somebody else to harm their property or to harm their livestock or whatever it is. Now there becomes this idea that witchcraft is something that just is in the world. It's, it is maleficent energy working on society. It's demons coming in and influencing people to do bad things. And, you know, I don't really even think that would have been an astrological or astrological idea at the time, right? Because astrology kind of ruled medicine and people, you know, used astrology to keep themselves balanced and to treat conditions. And, um, 
I don't think that even if you looked at the way medicine worked, it would have been that anyone would have thought there's this giant amount of malef- mal- mal- I can't say it, but Malific. bad energy yeah. <laughs> coming towards you um, because the idea would be that you restored the balance. And I guess that's kind of what witch trials did, right? Was re- restore the balance in society. Uh, I don't even remember Gio, what, what you originally asked. So get oh, me back on track. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, I definitely, I mean, maybe there could have been certain, uh, you know, medical astrologers when looking at maybe more of the psychological aspect of it. But, you know, then again, also there's, it seems like that came more into play with more talk of like um, being referenced to, you know, some sort of spirits or something like that. But uh, my question basically was like, how do we go from, you know, these Puritans trying to move in, you know, Mm. move from that coming into the new world and then reenacting that whole thing. It's almost, it's almost like what happened in Europe. Um, If we're looking at it from the concept of being that, that kind of um, religion and belief in that sort of way is like a front in order to pursue some sort of economic goal or something or social economic type of goal. Um, It's almost like that was a beta version. And then it, comes over somehow to the new world as well. And it's almost like that even gets enacted on the indigenous people as well. And then once again, it still happens as well with the people there and women and, you know, even slaves as well. And it's like, how did that still kind of persist when that almost was like the very thing that they were trying to leave Europe from and Mm -hmm. start a new world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they start, I mean, what I would say is they started their new community in such reaction against where they'd come from, that it was it was the problem since the beginning of the 17th century sort of was trying to figure out what was going to win in society. It was taking sides in terms of religious belief and then people believing, okay, you know, they can believe this, but we can move somewhere else and we'll set up our own society where we can believe what we want to believe and nobody's going to tell us what to believe. Right. So, of course, they take that with them over to Salem by the 1690s. What's interesting is the whole thing kind of kicks off or, OK, there's so many theories about it, but I'm going to go with one theory right now about how the Salem witch trials happen when, by the way, witch trials had kind of died out as a way of behaving back in Europe. But suddenly it pops up in Salem because a minister who was the new minister of his congregation didn't feel like he was rewarded properly by his congregation because he was supposed to get firewood that he didn't get. And he was a new minister and a group of his parishioners wanted to leave and for, and go somewhere else or find another minister. And so it was sort of like, he's feeling hurt that his congregation's not taking care of him in the way that he believed he should have been taken care of. And he starts um, preaching about evil. He, he preaches about the danger of evil out there that would cause people to not live up to the expectations of their society. So it's like, he's taking all of those toxic old beliefs about your responsibilities and how you owe people these things and the ideas about obligations that 
come from an older worldview and he's starting to shame his congregation. And I mean, it sounds so much like today, right? Like you need to do this for the rest of us, for the good of all of us. You've got to do this one thing. And And then it starts where everybody's like, wait a second now, those people who left our congregation, I think they're witches. And then it starts the blaming that scapegoating kind of spills over. And then I'm sure there was something about the astrological time or what, you know, that made it catch fire. And then those witch trials kind of spun out of that, but it was a very slow kind of the minister starts to preach from the pulpit ideas that fuel the type of response that comes out later yeah and if i can interject really quick because that was just such an amazing like thing to say i would say that that is a big part of the whole relationship of saturn and uranus you know Mm -hmm. saturn and uranus go through that exact thing uranus tells saturn hey you know i think that um, basically uranus immediately reacts to saturn's restrictions and it says hey we need to do this new thing and Saturn's like, no. And then it's, you know, of course it cycles back, you know, Saturn cycles back again. And Uranus is like, no, we need to do something even bigger and even bigger. And then Saturn finally agrees after 90 years to allow the first of the three things that was said. And so what's interesting about the, re- you, you know, you talked about re- the re- reactionary energy of leaving and then not knowing exactly what to do. And that's what we is happening so much currently. That's what's been happening so much in the last five years. Oh, you guys, all we got to do is just tear down the government and just create a new one. It's like, do you, do you have any idea of the vacuum of power that you leave open when you just tear things like that down? You can't, you can't do that in a reactionary way, even if you're correct that it needs to be replaced or changed. You're, yeah. you're absolutely correct. Things aren't perfect. They must be better, right? But it's like, you can't, you can't just do that in a reactionary way. And then you look, of course, the metaphor of the current, you know, there's some light worker cults, of course. There's like a lot of light worker right. cults. And it comes from a reactionary despisal of Christianity, saying it's like, oh, we hate Christianity. We hate organized religion. It's like, fair enough, fair enough. But you leave it. And then you immediately, now I'm seeing light worker cults yeah. that are talking about sexual purity. They're talking about, you know, judging others mm-hmm. essentially who aren't doing that. They're talking about an essential rapture-like event, just like Christ. They literally, uh, they're like, okay, we, we hate Christianity. We're stepping away from it. And then they essentially are rebuilding it, just using different colored Legos. Like, that's it. You know, they're, they're, they're essentially rebuilding the exact same thing. Yeah. So I just had to throw that in really quick. That was no, ac- and are excellent. you referring to the 5D? When you say rapture and how... Well, it's like, which one? Because now there's... There, I mean, in the past three years, there have been several branch-offs from that. So I might be saying that, and I probably am, but it's like it literally just with how quickly the these cults are, are rising and falling, you it's hard to even keep track of exactly which which one. But there's the rapture event, which leads to pure ascension of, of divine goodness. And then there's the rapture event of you know, the exact opposite, of course, there's the rapture event where then, you know, the aliens take some of us, like, it just literally, it's so many different branch shops. And it's, it's, it all equals, though, the rapture that you would expect from Christianity, that has been, you know, said since, you know, the hundreds and thousands of years, you know, this will be the event where, where everything's taken care of, we're all good to go. You know, God, God essentially will, will just scoop us up, and we're good to go. And that's the same thing is they had that as well as, of course, all the other things, 
here's how you should dress lighter colors. You know, uh, here's how you should eat. This is the diet you ought to, you know, do that. Um, and, uh, this is the way you should behave. Here's how your sexuality should be. It can't just be a physical act. It must be a spiritual act. And it's like, that's funny. I've heard all this before somewhere, but you know, there's that old story with uh, Jesus in the book of Thomas, I believe where, um, his followers were like, uh, we're like, what diet should we observe? And like, what foods should we eat? Or, uh, and what clothes should we wear? And Jesus was like, don't tell lies and don't do things that you hate. And I'm like, you know, there you go. Like we've kind of just sort of ignored all those details and instead focused right on truth. The, uh, you know, the, the ultimate religious ideal truth, you know? Yeah. It's almost like what they say. And like, when you hate something, you actually love it. Like there's a yep. weird psychology gotcha. behind it. I used to, I used to despise the Capricorn archetype. And then I did a bunch of persona charts of myself and found out I'm just chocked full of Capricorn on my, you know, inner charts. And I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you're, you're giving power to that very thing, even with your despising of it. It's almost like you're giving that attention to it, that energy to it, which goes along in a lot of what we have constantly been saying on the podcast about about pendulums and, and rituals say, yep. and, is, you know, whether they're conscious rituals, whether they're unconscious rituals and stuff with like, you know, whether we know what we're partaking in, like I said before, anything can be a, a sort of ritual and type of spell being put. But what's crazy about the witch trials is that like, when you really look at it, maybe even from a simple standpoint, especially with the, you know, the church and the hierarchies at that time, it's like this, um, this sense of greed, and ownership um, from from more so of the hierarchies and control and stuff. It's like this pursuit in monopolizing. It's like its own consciousness that kind of persists, and and then it's it's thwarted into society with um, with the, with with religion. That's it's kind of using the front or religion as the boat to kind of like go inward to it to 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 bring it out and spread it amongst everybody to pursue it as well and then it's like that same type of consciousness kind of like um it it grew even more and then like you said when it goes over to the new world then even what you were saying about the minister you know it's like he wanted to get his you know his share he wanted to be given back to you know for what he's doing he wants some sort of compensation as well and it's like this sort of wanting a reward or, you know, it's just, it's, it, it is, it almost is it's this type of, of, of greed of wanting something in a sense. And it's like that same consciousness kind of clicks back on. And therefore you go through the same lens of how, or how, how am I going to get my way? How am I going to um, be heard in a sort of sense? And then therefore I'm going to push it in this way. You know, it's like, where did they, where did, where did he learn that? You know, where did anybody from that time to kind of make those accusations and to push that influence in a certain way? Where did they learn it from? It's almost like mm -hmm. it, it was his own developed consciousness, kind of like how we speak about the whole egregores thing, that it's like it becomes its own entity. And therefore, it's been fueled enough by many different souls and as well, and kind of can be become its own thing and almost brought back to life. So it's like kind of where I'm seeing that. And then like with that concept, I'd like to see how maybe even that, say if it was that type of consciousness on its own, that kind of developed, how that would be shown in the astrology. 
you know, and how it would be shown from maybe more so of those earlier times back in Europe than to kind of like being reignited again in the new world. Yeah. It's like the astrology for me after learning this concept was very much, it's like the, it's like the, the list of channels, like the channel guide. It's like, almost like this is the energy that's floating around. It's almost like what you, you would call the egregore or these, this available consciousness that tends to float around in the ether. And then of course, depending on not only the country's chart, not only the, 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 the uh, individual's chart and all of that, but just even people I always felt that were more awake were able to transcend the stars in a way, in their own way, and evolve through it, opposed to the people who are unawake that actually abide to the stars and, ha- and play out the story for the ones that happen to pop up awake. And they say, oh, wait a minute, like there's, there's something going on here in the ether. There's some sort of consciousness available. And it would even make sense with the new age and the awakening that we're experiencing because this Uranian energy, this Aquarian energy is very at hand. And anybody who happened to bust through the barrier and, and is seeing through it are the ones to harbor in the new, the new ideas or the, the new, almost able to observe and look back on history and say, well, wait a minute, there's a, there's a mechanism here. There's something that's going on that gets people, you know, most people say it's spells, right? That the, there's a cult, uh, oh, yeah. these occult magic and that there's, and that's part of the conspiracy of the dark cabal and the Illuminati and the Jesuits and all of that. But, but Gio and I both, both think that that has a lot to do with the consciousness at hand, meaning these people kind of play a part because they must be a little asleep to their consciousness in a way that the stars are influencing them. But then as we have more awareness and we gain this knowledge that we have now the ability to, to navigate this sea of energy and like set our sails the way we want it. And then when we see a storm coming, we can sail through it if we have a strong enough ship or sail around it and stuff like that. So yeah. back in the times of the, 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 the witch trials, I just felt like most people were, this consciousness wasn't available. This awareness wasn't available. This is like the universe is giving us a recorded moment in time to where we can now use that as a reference point to now when we're awake to say, whoa, 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 we did this already. And now we know we could being conscious and aware, we can now do things differently, but it's going to take understanding what we did first, which creates the value of history. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's almost, yeah, it almost inspires this idea that it's like the shifting into the age of Aquarius is means that the internet was a gift from the divine in a way mm. as the only stone tablet that could possibly set us in the right direction by having the room in order to show us all that has happened previous. Whereas the last shift from the age of Aries into Pisces would have been, you know, literal stone tablets or would have been, you know, oral tradition. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like it helps us facilitate the information faster, especially with the fact that like that there goes with that whole sort of thing that it's like, it has its good and it has its bad. That's why you can't really pin it on that sort of thing because you know, in the same sense, it's created more stimulation, I guess you could say like internet and innovation of technology in that sort of way. Um, it's created more stimulation for us. Therefore we are moving a lot faster. Things are occurring a lot faster and it's almost like we're moving through time a lot faster, but it's like, because we're processing information, uh, fast as well, that we're able to keep up with it, that we're mm-hmm. able to kind of be able to like, move time as well 
And it just like and like one thing that I would like to like see now, because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of basic understanding when it comes to, say, something like the witch trials as well. You know, a lot of people don't think about I feel like, um, you know, less like, you know, if you are a historian as well or a history buff, like a lot of people don't look at the precursors as well. Um, or even the after effect maybe too. And I would like to see like, from like, and like what happens after, you know, that kind of event kind of like, Ooh, something to my, uh, something kind of like it dissipates off and where society kind of heads in that sort of sense. I mean, I know we start getting into the 1700s as well and, and kind of maybe what goes on then, but like where that whole, where it leads off to and then how does that run with even you know the snapshot of the cosmic clock of how it's how it's playing along with it as well um and and basically so that we can even see a potential of maybe uh, a reoccurrence of maybe looking ahead for even for ourselves now if we're seeing a lot of this comparative stuff when it comes to those times and now it's like, maybe we can see a little bit of what to expect, maybe be better aware. Like you said, like we're uh, Jax, you said it, how we're kind of like looking over, we're going to be looking over a lot of the information. It's not like mm. something that we're just going to let slip by and stuff. So we're going to be looking uh, it over a lot. Like how do we make sure with looking at the history of maybe the after effects of say something like the Salem witch trials. It's like, what kind of goes on with that? And then how do we look into the details of that along with look into the details of the astrology to kind of better see maybe what the pattern is and how to go about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it, you know, comes down to Uranus Gemini. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, that's one of the things that, that um, Ray had been talking about the, the apology that happened right after the, the witch trials and, and the, you know, essentially the conversation that opened up and you had mentioned that as well. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, that's a big part of Uranus Gemini, which we might not necessarily think of. We might immediately, uh, you know, uh, think about how Uranus Gemini is going to be a lot about the, um, the, uh, new inventions in mobile technology. That's going to be one of the biggest things, of course. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of our finances happening, of course, from, uh, from our, you know, phones and well, technically there'll be phones slash tablets slash computers. There's not the, the, the time that we're in right now, while, while they're still all separate objects is like getting really close to being done, um, because they're about to be all universalized. But, um, the conversations that are going to happen is because Gemini is the classifier. Sagittarius relies on the collective wisdom and essentially looking back multiple generations and the wise ones have always said this, this, and this. Gemini wants to classify things. It wants to hear what has happened and then classify it. And so there's good and bad to that. So Uranus Gemini is going to be eight years straight of looking back at what's been going on in these last couple decades and rehashing them out and trying to call a spade a spade. That's going to be like one of the biggest things. The problem with that, of course, is that there is going to be some misclassification. I think there's going to also be some people that um, that almost are, you know, basically trying to say like, yep, this is true, that that was wrong. Let's just get over it. And it's like, you know, as a, as a nation, you know, we kind of experienced that a lot, but of course, globally, um, that's something that's being felt across the world, but essentially conversation is going to happen, uh, in, in really interesting ways. You know, I immediately was just thought of the app, um, what's it called clubhouse. 
Mm -hmm. um, where there's a bunch of people talking live. I feel like there's going to be a whole lot of these conversations uh, that that happen in you know similar types of platforms, even ones that don't exist yet, where we're talking about what has you know gone on in these last in this last decade, and uh, and I think that the conversation it's it's permanently going to alter the way we look at the individual versus the government because um, essentially there's always been this separation that has been so clear from the the average man versus of course the person with political power and uh and that's that is essentially we're about to realize just how even we actually are and of course in a broader sense you know there's more of us than them and all that but but uh but in a very literal sense the we're being brought to equal levels as far as what information we have i'm really curious to see what exactly happens to um, classified information during Uranus Gemini, because I have this feeling that there will still, of course, be classified information, but that a lot of what we currently have under the um, the restrictions of this is classified info is going to be is about to be much more public because it'll have to be for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And- no, I just want to know: is there going to be any sort of major planetary opposition that would be significant, like in Sagittarius? to that you know that uranus being in that kind of like eight year stance um that would be notable same way like how we had like north node in gemini and you know the south node obviously in sagittarius where you know there's that whole thing playing out like are we going to see something very similar as well with uranus and maybe uh an opposer to uranus you know that'd be significant well, so there's definitely going to be, so Uranus is going to transit and, uh, and of course, so it's going to transit, it's going to conjunct its own North node, and it's also going to oppose its own South node, as well as, um, uh, there was another, there's another opposition that happens that is pretty important. Oh, the, uh, the South node of Jupiter. And so I'm a little bit interested main. So basically I feel like things are smooth sailing for the first five or six years, as we get to the last couple years of Uranus and Gemini, though, things are going to get really interesting because it feels like that's our, our opportunity, you know, a couplet of years that are essentially a big opportunity for people to not fall back onto the way things were before or to not allow a single rock to be, uh, you know, uh, overturned. Like we, we have to allow everything to be seen clearly because if we accept some of these things being kept secret again, it feels like, you know, it's of course inevitable. It's just like how the shift from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, I try and tell people all the time, this is merely the next opportunity. Age of Pisces was an opportunity. Age of Aquarius is not the band-aid. It's not the fix-all. It doesn't take care of anything. It's merely a new type of opportunity. It's a new octave of looking at, you know, the universe and the way that the universe is looking back at us. Age of Pisces was all about will you or will you not be able to experience your you know individual connection to spirit or to the divine itself? Will you uh, re- you know uh, be be tempted by dogma? Will you be led by dogma? Will you use dogma? Um, and now we're moving into all of a sudden a synthesis of science and spirituality that I think Uranus Gemini is also going to be a big part of the legitimization of astrology, or I should say the re-legitimization of astrology, um, in that eight year period. Wow, uh, it's awesome. so awesome. You just said the, uh, the, the age of Pisces being the, um, individual connection to source. And yet, if you look at the witch trials, right, they use that as, as leverage. So now if we're going into the age of Aquarius with Aquarius ruling technology, 
it almost seems like with what's going on with the jibby jab and the uh, all this stuff happening around the uh, pandemic and all that, now it's technology is being used and science is being used almost as that factor that the church had used God or being a Puritan back in the in the witch trial era. So I almost yeah. see a parallel there to where now entering this new age while we were in the age of Pisces with how religion and all of that and God was used as just some sort of mechanism. Now it's like, well, I see it being combined with God still, but also with technology and with science. And that goes, well, hey, trust us. We're the ones. If they don't listen to us, exile them, hang them, throw them to the gallows. You know what I mean? And I feel like like certain astrologers I've watched has has taken this out of context and given the wrong people the names uh, or, or labeling them as the witches. Um, some, yeah. saying, some saying the Democrats, some saying the feminists, because um, right. they're relating it to the witch, the witches being feminine. But now if you're seeing the feminine energy, you're seeing a lot of men be feminine. So I don't see it as just the feminist party. I feel this as the truther party or the people seeking truth or asking questions. One's uh, uh, opposing the status quo as being now the witches. And I'll, I'll pass it on to Anne because I haven't heard her pretty voice in a, in a minute. So, Anne, with, do, would you agree that instead of it becoming, say, more about the feminine uh, uh, gender of things, if you look back on the witch trials and the people that were condemned, would it make sense that it was these people that were questioning the status quo and not going along with what what the powers at be were telling them to and that how that would relate to now with say all of us who study this occult knowledge and who question say even just the shape of the earth or question anything being the ones that are now condemned hmm. i have had so many thoughts and written some notes while while i'm listening to you guys but i have i do need i want to answer that but i first i really need to know yeah, um during the witch trials, so where was Uranus then? Was that Uranus Taurus. and Gemini? Taurus. It was Taurus. It was, yeah, as we as we got to the end, we started to transition into Taurus. Yeah. Or sorry, into Gemini. Which and I do have Same a follow-up question to for you. Um, you know, afterwards to something that Jax had had explained, but just to put that <laughs> okay. well, let me finish my thought yes, or yes, finish yes. finish this because I didn't know that. That's it's really interesting. Um, I mean, I guess I knew that uh, because we usually focus on Neptune and Pisces during this time, right? During the 1690s of the witch trial. Um, so what I want to say is that we tend to look back and we've isolated, we have isolated the Salem witch trials or the idea of witch trials and, as significant because of where we find ourselves. And so when we talk about it, we tend to say, what did they do or how did they treat women and all of that? And as, but as Jax was talking about, you know, what technology is like now and um, that you could have sort of all these different competing voices now we really have to remember that this time that we're looking at in the 16 from this, like the middle of the 17th century to the end was a time of all sorts of bubbles of different communities, like these little groups that yes, they're coming from similar places. If we look at Europe, right. But you could look at 
you know, the people who actually were already in the new world. Um, we could think about whether or not their belief systems and values were changing too. And they were in the contact between these two groups of people that you've got in so many different contexts, different belief systems. And if we look at Europeans, those belief systems have sprung out of a centralized Christian view in many cases. And they're all different versions of here's how we can make that better, right? There are lots of these new ideas about what would be a better way to live. So yes, you do get the Puritans who come over and institute their utopian idea of a community. And in some cases, like Reverend Paris's congregation, you know, they start to become insular and and be formulated around certain ideas of who belongs and who doesn't and what is a correct behaving woman and, and all of that. And it does kind of target on women in particular. But at the same time, there are other Puritans even who live in Boston who are looking at what's happening in Salem and thinking, what is going on out there? This is crazy. Um, there are Quakers who really try to step outside of the discourse and they're more introspective and they're looking for spiritual guidance from within and trying to get away from the laws of society. And, you know, there are leveler, there are these people who do believe the end times are coming. Like in so many ways, we have all the same types of voices at that time and more scientifically minded people. Science is emerging as a discipline, but also there's this idea of laws, right? There's the enlightenment. There are the, there are ideas about rights should be um, attached to us just because we are people who are born of God, right? Um, and there's this increasing idea of what type of rights we should have just because we are human. And that is what actually comes in. I think at, at some point, Geo asked this question of kind of how it ends or you know what comes next. And really what finally stopped the Salem witch trials was these, the Boston voices coming out you know, into that community saying, wait a second, you guys are not applying law correctly. You are allowing people to testify. You're allowing children to testify. You are, are not basing your, you're not actually having evidence in the courtroom anymore. You're just accusing people and it wasn't correct legal proceedings. So there was this competing idea about laws that eventually kind of took down this other version of how to organize society that got it to finally stop. Right. So in a lot of ways, I'm just thinking about how we have a similar situation with a lot of competing voices, but, but there's this idea, you know, like a mainstream idea of this is what it should be like that it would be easy if you just watched the way they portray things like in, in the future, really bad historians will just look at CNN's coverage or whatever and think, Oh, that's what was happening. But thankfully things like this and, and all over YouTube and all over the internet are all those alternative voices that are very similar to what was happening back at this time too. Right. So even though, it was not really a literate culture in the same way. And not everyone had access to the technology. Maybe not everyone could read or not everyone could write or not everyone was connected to this 
this network of people around the world, but they could, they were purchased, they were eating goods, they were eating spices from different parts of the world, or they were in some way they're connected to this larger world and they are getting the ideas. So I'm just really interested in that, like how these ideas are kind of percolating around and what ends up happening was it did exist. So like, I would assume that now something else exists, that's going to be where we'll go next right there. It's not like it's going to be super new and it might not even be a reaction against what we're seeing, but it'll be something, something different because that's what ended up happening. Then it kind of died out and people went elsewhere and new people became scapegoats in different ways, but it didn't all kind of coalesce in this one society going crazy and um, attacking one group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what fascinates me. And that was kind of like what my follow-up was. And you, you pretty much answered it because it's like, like Jack's, like Jack's was saying, as far as like, maybe more so of like the look ahead, like it's about, you know, making sure that uh, no stone is left unturned. Right. And like really looking into it, going through the correct procedures and everything as well. And I think it's fascinating how you see how that aligns up with in the astrologically that aligns up with even uh, after the Salem witch trials of like what you were saying of really kind of um, like nailing it down as far as the what 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 are the real legal procedures, you know, how are we going to do this correctly and communicating it correctly as well and stuff. And, and it's like, and it's amazing in that sense. And then when you try to look at it from maybe our current standpoint, um, and this is the thing that where, where I question it, where it's like, well, that may have been a lining up, you know, we, we say that there's a cycle and there's patterns and stuff. And it's like, are we going to follow that similar pattern? Because, you know, obviously right now we're going through a process where it's like, um, you know, more of the who's a heretic, who's not, who's falling in line with things, who's not. And, um, you know, fact checking and all that stuff and and cancel culture and censorship and all that. And but we're also seeing how there's blatant disregard for certain legalities. And it's almost like I feel like a lot of people have lost hope in. Yeah in the legal procedure and the legal process almost being like, well, what the hell? Like, are we even like, is it even going to get to that point where we restore that type of order when it comes to more so of, of, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, you know, of course, right now it feels like whether you want to say it's the dark or, you know, any sort of opposing parts of our society and stuff, it's like, almost seems like there's no justice. And it's like, is there going to be that justice, you know, as maybe we've seen in a sort of sense with, you know, the procedure of after the witch trials, which then when you think about it, because then, you know, for the next, you know, uh, 70 or so years and stuff, you know, that's where you start going into more so the revolutionary standpoint, understanding liberties and you know, uh, taxation without representation and all that as well. So it's almost like it progresses. Um, and I, I'm curious to see, you know, that type of, um, that type of, of pattern and cycle play out similar to now, you know, especially with most people feeling like, and I know if even for myself, I've constantly talked about with many people, they're like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter what this side does or, or anything and stuff, you know, somehow, 
the, you know, I'll just use an example. It's like, oh, the Democrats get their way no matter what, like they do things this way or, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So it's like, is there anything to reflect that type of, you know, that justice will be that justice will prevail? You know, obviously, that's something that we have to carry within ourselves and our own knowing as well. But when it comes to the actual uh, world stage perspective, like what kind of reflects that, whether it's in the history uh, as well or whether it's in in the astrology, you know, how do how do we see that kind of come together? I had it after well you oh, go first yeah, i can go hold on it. to it i got two points because from what he just said it literally just clicked some no get your point out first yeah i was just about to say this is almost more like semantic than anything but you know a lot of people always say you know well good always wins over evil and to me it's it's not that's not necessarily the case however the thing is evil is is a, a hungry animal and it can survive being hungry for a very long time. But the moment it actually gets food, then its stomach has an expectation and it needs to keep having that much food. And it, it goes for bigger and bigger meals that sometimes it, you know, outpace it. To me, it's like, I think that there absolutely is in some ways some corruption that is, is winning, you know, no doubt right at this moment. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that sometimes with, with that power comes a lot of confidence and it comes in even greater hunger. And I think that that leads to mistakes. And just looking over the astrology, looking at uh, what we're going to experience with Neptune and Aries and Uranus and Gemini, for me personally, especially as a Libra stellium, your speech about, you know, will there be justice, like very moving to me. I absolutely believe there will be justice and, and people will be held accountable for this to a degree that actually seems unrealistic. A lot of people would say, the, the amount that I believe that actually people will be retroactively held accountable is seems crazy, but I believe it more than anything. And I would, I would die on that hill the for power, sure. The power yeah. of Neptune right there. Meaning yeah. camp. we have to remember, oops, sorry. The, the Nuremberg trials also happened in, I guess, Uranus and Gemini too, right? The Nuremberg. Oh, Jesus. Nuremberg might, I think you're right. Actually. That's because it's after world war two. Before I had the charts up, cause I watched a few other astrologers talk about it. And so there in February 29th, 1962, that's when the accusations began. Mm, and it looks so that, like, uh, I didn't look at Uranus. Uh, Uranus Virgo. Uh, Uranus Gemini first it's actually on the north node so the day of the accusations February 29th uh, 1962 and is that correct Ann? so I have the, I know I have the right date February says February 29th 1962 there was a Neptune mm-hmm. and Sun in Pisces for, uh, form a T-square to Saturn and Sagittarius and Uranus Chiron and Mars and Gemini um, I've wow. been, wait, hold on. We were, if we're talking about 1962, or sorry, I mean, sorry, 1692. Sorry. Oh, 16. Oh. <laughs> I, I actually, in my notes wrote, I have 16. I literally read right off my thing. Cause I, I have a whole thing saved about from the charts and sorry, from 1692, from the accusations actually till the, to the hangings. And so there was a lot of T-square stuff and a lot of mutable cross stuff, which was another question I had for Jax, but we're, I want to get to Oh, yeah. First. Jesus. Um, so February so, 29th, yes, that the Uranus just entered Gemini. What so I was, Nuremberg? and I was thinking about Nuremberg is what, like 46, I'm looking 45 to 49. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the trials after World War II of all the Nazi war criminals 
Oops, I just lost my screen here. Um, so, yeah, that's what I was wondering if there were similarities between that and Salem at all. But, you know, like it's this idea of justice, but it's almost like so I'm also as a Libra. I, you know, I will, at the beginning of all of this, I was just so upset about any, any notion of we're losing our rights, the constantly, right. But we always are losing our rights because it is always a struggle between how we're going to be represented as individuals within some kind of a corporate organization. And we're always trying to improve that, the notion of, of our, our own rights, they're never set. And I think we kind of all take it for granted that, well, we just have these rights, but rights don't exist. They exist through struggles and through, right, like going to court. I mean, that's where we hammer out what is justice. And it's sometimes seeing the most horrific things happen that then gets us to step out of our own self-interest, I think, and look at what what's best for a, a wider community, because there's always justice at any given time, right? Somebody's winning and somebody's version of justice is being legislated all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of well, a big thing, and I, I think you could say this is kind of controversial in a way, not really, but like um, a deep concept would be, we basically, you know, whatever rights are, we've kind of, we allowed our rights to be available for the taking um, as soon as we documented the, the that we had certain rights. As soon as we documented, mm. signed it, put it on paper and stuff like that. Now it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Well, it's like because we say that they're inalienable rights. A lot of these things that they're God-given rights as humans, as sentient beings and everything. Um, and it's like as soon as we allowed that to be put on paper and up for debate. It's almost like as if we kind of allowed that to be something that just is up for debate when really in actuality, it's not. And I'm a big believer on the whole thing. That's why like, I don't fear, you know, everybody fears the whole rights being taken away and everything as well. And like, I get it. I understand why, but in the same sense, I'm a big believer on the fact that, you know, all these rights we may have um, that we feel that can be taking, taken away, a lot of the times most things are based on because we've become accustomed to society and certain things and that we consider our freedoms and we become dependent on certain things as well. When in actuality, if we were to be able to almost show not that we have to but to show an ability to detach from certain things you know and i'm saying more so you know certain scale things that people are fighting over right now being like oh our right to to go and shop around freely and stuff like that or go on vacation or, you know what i mean it's like well you put a major importance on that as like a necessity for yourself um to the point that it's like you're allowing that to be leveraged you know what I mean? It's like, why? Why are you allowing that to be leveraged? Because you've given given that ability up by being like, oh, you know, I can't live without those certain things. And as soon as you're able to show what it's like, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to live my life. I could still do 
I can still do certain things and still be happy and comfortable on my own as well without those things. That's the moment that whatever it is that's trying to take away your rights or your ability or your freedoms to do something, that's when they lose the power because you show that they don't have that power because they're not actually taking away anything from you because you can do without it. And I know that's crazy because it's like, oh, well, you know, you're trying to say then, oh, that I could do without a house or whatever and stuff. Well, we're resilient creatures and you most likely will find a way. You know what I mean? Not saying that that's what you have to do, but to create that kind of stance within yourself kind of helps kill the fear. I feel like to be like, yeah, like I'll find a way I'll prosper. You can take all those things away from me, but you can't take away. You can't take away what's me. So -hmm. therefore it's like, as soon as I tell you, go ahead, you could take this, you could take that, you could take that. Why are they going to want to take it from you? I mean, they probably, they still can. Sure. No problem. No matter what. But, but they, the whole if the whole point is for them to control you. And it's right. Like you well, I was. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's that that is the trap of feeling like, no, no, no. I Like even saying, no, I don't need that. Like the way out is just to say, I don't need that. Those things. I'm just going to carry on like I am. You're still living within what the argument that they've set up. Right. So instead, say, OK, I'm going to just do my thing over here because the laws will protect us to do our thing. Or it's kind of taking ownership, taking the rights that we do have and pushing them further because where the rights always stop is as soon as whoever has the most power at that time, as soon as they get the rights they wanted, then the fight for more rights always stops at that point. So, and there are always more rights to be had, or there's more ways to define, um, who gets to participate in society, right? And who is actually a person. So I I always just feel like if we just start living like we do value ourselves and that we are fully endowed with rights, you know, let's just live that way and ignore the discourse that's being set up to kind of make us distract, that distracts us from us knowing our own value and our own, having a sense of our own worth. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of like in 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 my mind, I guess, where I'm 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 kind of trying to go with it. It's like there's no leverage then because no matter what, I'm still going to do me. Like no matter what, I'm still gonna do whatever I have to do. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not showing a dependence on certain things. So what in actuality did you potentially take away from me? You didn't take anything away from me at that point. So therefore, once again, you've accomplished nothing and there's no control factor then over me because I am still, you know, that's, that's your construct of what it means to be a human and society. That's not necessarily my, you know, my stance on what it means to be a human and a sentient sovereign Mm -hmm. being and stuff like, you know, all that stuff is, is, is part of maybe a fabricated society you can, you can go to those extremes of saying that as well. So therefore it's like, that's your society. And in your society, maybe you have some sort of leverage over me in that way. But if I'm able to detach from, from that, because that's not truly what I feel like is me, then therefore your leverage and your power now is gone over me. So Mm -hmm. that's where I kind of see it in that way. And it's like, that's why I wonder with, you know, kind of like that lead up of, after the witch trials going through the 1700s into the revolutionary war, it's like, 
I feel like there's a lot of little details that maybe can can be explained about certain processes of what was going on in society afterwards, especially like you said, going through the due process of legalities as well. Um, and how those were really established, you know, what kind of conflicts arose in, in going through those, uh, going through those establishments of that with maybe certain, um, uh, institutions and how they were developed as well. And it's like, you know, what can maybe be an example of what we may see, um, Mm -hmm going through time after, you know, maybe a few years from now, you know, how can we see maybe certain things play out in that way? Before, and you answer that or or respond Mm -hmm. to it, you asked like, so going into that, there is going to be, I'm going to bring in the astrology here real quick, because I do have a book about time cycles. It's called uh, Synodic Cycles. And so right before the witch trials actually happened, talking about Saturn and Jupiter conjunctions, right? So we just had the one in Aquarius, which then has its certain energy because it's now entered. I think it's uh, the same element. So now there's going to be a Saturn uh, Jupiter conjunction every 10 years in air signs. Right. Mm -hmm. So back in the witch trials, there was a, in 1682, I think was the closest, there was a Saturn Jupiter conjunction in Leo and which sparks actually the whole fire element. So it changes the whole story, just like this Saturn Jupiter conjunction did. So that now that has something to do with it. And when Jack Jax gets back, I want to pick his brain on what that would mean with the Saturn Jupiter conjunction now beginning right before the trials in the fire signs and, and on Leo and what in that 10 year span, what that may have caused. But not only that, the difference between now and back then was Saturn was actually in Sagittarius, which is also another one of the fire signs. Right. So Saturn was in Sagittarius at that point, making a lot of aspects to the um, it's, it's all mutable in the Salem witch trials, right? You have all this cardinal or mutable cross going on, right? And now if you look at it, Uranus and Taurus, and then you have Saturn in Aquarius fixed, right? These fixed elements. So that must play some sort of factor in what happens after, but obviously there's going to be this reoccurring pattern because the beauty of history is so after you explain, say maybe what follows the witch trials um, and and maybe what happens to the state, what happens to the church, what happens to people um, we could revert back and Jack, I'm going to pick your brain with the astrology and how say the Saturn placement, all the mutable placements are, are, are different in a way and leads to different outcomes and on top of that, the internet being here, which is Aquarian. So this is the first time this is happening again when we have the internet and the Aquarius energy where they didn't have the ability to go communicate all around the country to show each other, hey, look, this is what the state's doing. This is what the church is doing. This is what these people have decided to do. It now gives us insight on all of it. And we get to communicate via Zoom or whatever it is. So then we now this form of communication, fixed air and ether, right? Uh, Aquarius rules ether gives this different element sake, but continue. And then we'll revert back because I am curious to see what happens following the witch trials and maybe the, the after effects of this. Hmm. Yeah. I think that after the witch trials, you know, I mean, really that was the last time, like I said, that you really saw that kind of accusational thing going out of control and the last 
which trial, which accusation I think in England, I think is around the 1730s. So that as a style of, of scapegoating people kind of disappears, right? It's on the decline. So if you look at just using which, which trials, being able to tell, being able to say that people are, are evil, are demonic in some way, and being able to try to prove that in court, right? That connection between law and religious belief um, really starts to break down after that point. And I think that, you know, that would be a moment that it shifts to creating these ideas of codified laws, right? That you're, I mean, that's not new, but for European places and for the colonies, the idea of, of making laws systematic and, and being able to categorize people also as, you know, these types of people have rights under this system and these type of people don't like to me, I think a really big aspect, again, also that we haven't really touched on that is in this era is the fact that slavery still existed. Right. And the, the country is really built on slavery and the world is expanding in part or in a large part because of slavery. Right. Because the world of trade is taking off at this time too. The British Empire is growing and all the European nations are are expanding around the world and commerce is growing. New middle classes of people start to emerge, right? But it's breaking down the old centers of wealth. So it is like displacing the old power elite with these new big money people like that you would, you know, today we can maybe look at the billionaires who are out, out heading up to the moon and all that stuff, right? You know, like they are a new type of elite. They're that type of elite, like to the most extreme power now. And it's almost like now those people are the new kings and maybe mm. their power will start to be shattered. I don't know. I mean, to me, that's that's kind of what I see at this time is the old monarchical power that had displaced the church previously. So, right, the church kind of is displaced and the kings are really in power and queens. And then now these new middle-class folks who are tapped into the global world kind of um, are the new power elite. That's kind of gone to this extreme level now. So it's almost like we're always displacing the new the elite with somebody else. That's, so what's next, Jax? Or that, well, I was going to pass it on to Jax because so then I, I have a I was saying I have a book, uh, Synodic Cycles, right? And so the Jatter, uh, Saturn Jupiter conjunctions they say sets this new tone, this new uh, evolution of society and all that, and it controls the cycle. So now when we look at the previous Saturn Jupiter conjunction right before the witch trials. It's actually in Leo, which ironically, this one just happened in Aquarius, yeah. which is absolutely opposite. And then at that time, having that Saturn Sagittarius with the T-square, but then you still have the Neptune and Pisces. So like you have this part of the sky where it's saying, hey, this is going to happen again, but then yet you have a lot of flipped energy as well. So does that play say, does that play some sort of vital role in the fact that, like you said, we have an opportunity to do something different? Would that have a big correlation with that? 
majorly back then what they required they they needed the great conjunction in leo because they needed more than anything self-actualization self-actualization wasn't even like like i mean it's funny because that's one of the things that sort of blows my mind about thinking about the past is how new the idea of be becoming yourself really is now there are ways in which that's an ancient thought but but as far as it being a thing to do like a a, something that a person can go out there and just be themselves and become themselves and grow themselves in all these different ways. Um, and it being about them, but even in sort of a healthy way, well, it's like now, now we're exposed to the counter example to what, you know, they experienced. Uh, what we're exposed to is being able to see the healthy way in which it can be about us in which it can be about humanity in which it can be. And the thing is, I don't, I, I, it's, it's a tricky thing to paint Capricorn is the bad guy, as a lot of people do, and Aquarius is the good guy, because it's not exactly true either. Aquarius, neither of them are necessarily the bad guy or the good guy. Capricorn can easily be misused to such a degree where I think that it no, like it works. But but Aquarius, we always gotta keep an eye out for them too, because when you have a, a incredibly high amount, high concentration of Aquarian and, and or Piscean energy, um, things get really extreme, really fast. And, uh, and I don't think that's, you know, too much of a surprise if we think about 2018 to now with Uranus Taurus and the way in which that conversation has been happening. Um, but anyway, so as far as what's going to happen, I think a big part of it's money. And so it's so funny that you just talked about the correlation of how, uh, Bezos, Musk, whatever that they, they're the modern monarch in a way, which is, is really interesting. I have sort of this total crackpot theory that I would love to hear you guys' take on since you guys are familiar with astrology, which is that conventionally, of course, the earth signs always have been, um, on multiple levels connected with money or that which eventually, you know, that which equals money and resources. Um, I believe that we're undergoing through this age of Aquarius, a shift into seeing air signs as, uh, as financial signs in a way, at least to the degree where this is added, not necessarily that it's taken away from Taurus, taken away from Virgo and Capricorn, but that to a degree, there's a financial aspect to the air signs that simply exists now, um, not only with technology being one of the the greatest components of you know uh, uh, fi- increasing your finances, which is through technology. Um, being a you know a Libran personality essentially is a job; it's a career now. Like the friends you make is literally a source of income in a way. Um, the uh, the Gemini, of course, the the communication, how much you're talking out there is literally a form of income now. So like, it's really interesting to see that, but we're going to experience Pluto and Capricorn. It's going to be Pluto in Aquarius all of a sudden, Uranus and Gemini. Um, we're going to experience all of that while we're going to experience Neptune and Aries. So to me, what happens after this whole thing is that human beings are about to have a different relationship with technology and with spirituality and with money. I feel like cryptocurrency is something where it's like, oh yeah, cryptocurrency is interesting. It's like, no, no, no. I think this is like a major part of the whole Pluto return in America being in Capricorn's second house. Like this is potentially the way, the the point in February, 2022, 
is the a great shifting of the economy. And you might say to yourself, well, that's not going to be the point where crypto becomes relevant. It already became relevant back in, you know, December 21st, 2020. It's like, you know, even to a greater degree, I should say. It's like, well, uh, this Pluto return is going to be some sort of event that, you know, obviously within the span of a couple of weeks, we're going to have some something that happens or something that is announced that forever galvanizes crypto's supremacy over the US dollar and over physical dollars themselves. And what's going to start to happen is there's going to, of course, be, you know, uh, governments have been pushing these, you know, Piscean illusions over and over, you know, oh, crypto's volatile, you'll never be able to trust any of it, etc, etc. The reality is there are going to be those who claim their financial independence um, through through, you know, uh, connecting with the right crypto sources now essentially now through that time. Um, and then technically, I would say now through 2027, the, the individual will still have a chance to get in there while, the, while, the, you know, while it's good. But essentially, a bunch of governments are going to also create their own cryptos that will eventually become mandated. And so hopefully between now and 2027, people take their shot and they individually do their own research and they find what works for them. Um, but I think cryptocurrency is not just uh, an interesting technological trend. I believe it's directly connected to the astrology of America's Pluto return and the way that it's going to affect the rest of the world. And I think that Pluto moving into Aquarius, I talked about the relationship with technology. I believe that after these events, um, first of all, the rampant, uh, ironically, during this pandemic where it's about health, like the rampant uh, unhealthy behaviors of human beings in their relationship with technology is being hyper illuminated right now because it's like concentrated. We have a concentrated version we get to see and we get to, you know, of course, with everyone on TikTok, uh, you know, in front of a camera all the times we can literally track and like see how how just the way that our screens LED, you know, just the, the blue light from our screens, just seeing how much that is affecting us. Basically, Uranus Gemini is a point at which human beings start to behave differently with technology, with their use of technology. I believe whether it's through uh, legislation or just organically occurring, that we're going to start having a lot of mandates about, okay, these devices need to stop killing us or we need to basically make like a bunch of, you know, prohibitions until these devices stop, you know, uh, uh, effect negatively affecting our brain chemistry and becoming essentially their, their hypnotic devices. Like our, our, our technology is hypnotic, literally. Um, the entire app of TikTok is essentially one giant pendulum, you know, that's just constantly, you know, ticking back and forth, ticking, talking back and forth. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny to me though, this is the beginning of a healthy connection with technology and a healthy connection with people's interaction with information, a healthy connection, a basically a new scientific method. Not like they're going to invent some totally new thing, but a refinement where they say things like you guys had talked about earlier. If a study is put out and is trying to prove a certain point, and it's very obvious that, um, that they're only testing something uh, that because they're trying to lead, you know, where the result goes, that that's going to be changed. There's, there's something that's going to be prohibited with that. And that the average individual will be able to read a scientific study. And I believe for, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that go into this, but the individual will also be able to understand what's happening within their government in a realistic way. Whereas currently it's uh, an archaic language barrier gateway. And so almost no one understands what exactly is going on in government, um, what bills are being passed and how they're being passed. But I believe all of that 
is about to become so open source. I think Uranus Gemini is going to be the most awesome thing that has ever happened to us. And that's going to tr- conjunct my son right on the boom right on the end. I already got Geo's son. My God, you're going to be you're going to yeah. be set up for the next okay. ten years. You're going to be set up for that. Hell yeah! I got I got to get a we 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 got to do mm, our reading eventually. All three, and yeah, money or whatever, but we'll figure that out. But you know, I, and you said that right, and that reminds me that so in the age of Pisces. I mean, and I don't know if you've ever heard these ways of putting it, but um, when you are, so Pisces is a water sign, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of it's a water based age, right? So where do we go to get our money? The bank, the water bank. And what do we call our money? Currency, the current huh. of yeah, our money, that's... right? So and it's funny because this is going to end up nudging us into the next part of the whole matrix code thing. And then as we go along, we could kind of in and out again, back on the, the, the uh, witch trials and all, but this matrix code seeping through and then showing us that the universe kind of, kind of, it speaks in this, this symbolic language that I, I think we channel uh, as, as a, con- as consciousness, meaning mm-hmm. we come up with these ideas and we think it's ours yet. Everything already exists. It's like almost like the work of God and the people that are tuned in will get the ideas given through by God or by the universe and stuff like that. And mm. astrology is the all telling story of that. So mm. it's, it's fascinating to see once again, the, the parallels of not only the symbolic language, but the, the cyclic nature of how we were, we were, we're talking about this witch trial effect. And then we're going into this, but, but then you see the subtle differences or maybe not so subtle, but yeah. the differences. And then in the differences in the chart, but then yet when these parts in the chart revisit, it's bringing those things back up at that specific degree. So it's like almost maybe in this new age of Aquarius as well, using astrology as the real calendar, because that is the real calendar. We're able to now document even better with the internet and all of that, this history. And that having a job like yours, and is going to be a million times easier because you'll be able to go back to, oh, when Saturn and Jupiter conjunct in Aquarius on December 20, 21st, you can look at the dates. It's on the internet. So I could see how that's going to better the relationship of all of our, you know, our relationships to technology. But it's it, it to me, I'm most I'm mostly still um, intrigued by the matrix code language and how many people mm-hmm. are on this side of it's the conspiracies, it's the Jesuits, and then you have people on this side where it's God, and then yet astrology. You combine that with history, and you combine that with the right mode of thinking and speculation, opposed to trying to believe something. It, it leads to evolution, evolution of the mind, evolution of understanding things. So, and I never got a, an answer from you before, but I wanted to pick your brain again about with the outcome of the, the witch trials, right? And so you have an apology, what, less than 200 years, right? Was it like in the few hundred years that they realized, oh shit, we messed up. And then yet at that time, they blamed a certain group of people for practicing something or being something not divine, right? So now comparing it, is it the Democrats or is it the feminists or is it the people that you see being most crucified, right? And I'm only choosing those, by the way, generally, um, because I've heard other astrologers reference it. Mm -hmm. Could it be the people that are seeking truth that are just anti-status quo, not from, from opposed to the ideas that it's just women or just... Uh, uh, a group of politically, could it be a spiritual group of people? So could it be a spiritual group of people who, what, who 
are condemned. Like if you were to metaphorically mm-hmm. say we're, we're, we're reliving the witch trials, right? In a way, mm-hmm. because of a lot of the astrological reference, you have these girls that are condemned for certain practices that maybe not mm-hmm. have been true, but were anti-status quo, anti-say Puritan, what the church wanted, what the system mm-hmm. wanted. And now yeah. those girls were condemned and, and and not rightfully so, unjustly, right? And so when you look at people that don't have the, the, the jib jab thing, and then you also have people who don't wear the masks or you don't have people who are working with the status quo, do, do, would you agree, is what I'm asking, that it's more so people like us, maybe, and I'm once again generalizing, but people who are questioning that status quo and not abiding to what the rulers of this world right now are doing and that we're the witches? I mean, everybody thinks they're the witch. <laughs> right. That's the that's, thing, that's, right? So we I'm all to get another perspective. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So if, if we look at history, I mean, yeah, I guess with history and astrology, we can look at you know, the thing is that it, it happened really fast that people stepped in and and realized, you know, like, hey, this was bad. You know, like, let's let's go back and and pardon these people um, that we shouldn't have killed. But they were all dead. Right. So mm-hmm. you could say, well, is the fact that, huh? If we could catch it before it happens, meaning if we end up being exiled as people that don't follow certain we don't mm-hmm. abide to certain things. Is, is, is it something we could prevent? Because could it potentially be people who mm-hmm. question the, the, the powers that be at the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, if we look at what happened in the Salem witch trials, it stopped because the right influential person, a person with a respected name, um, increased Mather, who had a prestigious position he was familiar with the culture that was doing all the condemning and legally he just stepped in with the right perspective, the, the legal perspective that stopped the accusations. Right. Um, but the people who finally stopped also were at a place where they would stop. Right. So, I mean, you could look at other historical examples, like a big one is um, the Catholic church uh, finally apologizing for having n- not been th- the most progressive people during the Holocaust, right. To prevent a lot of things that were happening to Jewish people, although, you know, as an institution. So see, I, that's the similar thing. Like, you about the, hmm? Similar astrology. Similar astrology yeah. Uranus and Gemini and that going on. And then it's funny because we're approaching it, but yet mm-hmm. Uranus Gemini, you have that Taurus, and it was in there a little bit before the witch trials. So mm-hmm. it's something that I'm and it's, remember, it's just a speculation because if that's the case and we're catching the not only the astrological influences mm-hmm. and say the cosmic cycle reappearing, yeah. but we're actually gaining the awareness that instead of it just being because I'll be honest, I, you look at every group of people, I think the ones who are condemned the most and I'm not trying to claim to be the witch in, in a way where I want people to feel bad for us or me or whatever. It's more so the fact that I'm seeing what I what from what I see on mainstream media, from what I see on the news from what the powers that be try to feed normal people Mm -hmm. who don't go too deep in the thought, or at least in this area, that that could it be that the people who are questioning those things, it's ironic you mentioned that that happened in uh, World War II thing with the church, could it be the people that are going to be 
crucified because the fact that they are the ones saying that that it's almost like people are making up lies about unvaxxed or people are making up lies about like they're being put Mm -hmm. in a certain position to where I'm not saying we're going to be physically burned at the stake, but I'm saying spiritually, because that that would also play in, in terms with the Aquarian age energy of we're being the witch we're, we're being, we're on trials right, right now, as the witches say in the spiritual realm of being condemned spiritually, you're not good people. You're, you're, you're not trying to be a, a, you know, a a fellow human to others and try and protect them, burn those people, throw them to the wolves, burn them at the stake. To me, it's just, that's what I see most opposed to the feminists get a lot of help. They have groups, you know, you see people who are searching for truth or astrologers or things like that. We don't have organizations in a way where we're on the TV or that we have a voice. We've been, I'm not going to say silenced, but we haven't been promoted, but yet BLM, Mm -hmm. the feminist movement, the the LGBTQ, all that stuff, nothing wrong with it, but I'm saying they don't seem like they're on the trial, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, you know, actually, so in, Two recent stories and probably more, but um, there we heard the word witch trial late, just recently, right? So One is is with um, what I heard just today was James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Um, somebody talking about him as being um, as a, it's a witch trial against him, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a good example, actually, of what what, what can happen. So this is in reference to the fact that he had the diary, right. Of that his organization had Joe Biden's daughter's diary, that it was that they decided to give it back or they didn't use it for a story, but the FBI still came and searched his house and seized a bunch of his stuff and his information about sources and all of that to, took it away. And it's just sort of what happened to this no, notion of freedom of the press. Um, but the main media outlets are not largely standing up in defense of this concept of freedom of the press. And from the perspective of someone like James O'Keefe, it would be sort of like, well, what is this? A witch hunt? Like, why am I the one who's being targeted by everybody? Right. And I, so I saw somebody talking about it as a witch, a witch hunt just today. Um, What was I going to say though? Like the connection would be, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought because then the other one is the quarterback, right? Uh, is he? Yeah. He's a quarterback yeah, yeah, of the Green yeah. Bay I'm Packers. That. Yep. Yeah. He is. And yep. that he's being condemned as well. So, oh, I know what I was going to say, but in the case of Project Veritas, you have the ACLU who is stepping up and arguing, you know, who will take that case in may in in the name of freedom of the press right because there is a right that was overstepped and now there's something that can that can stop that kind of that particular particular targeting of somebody who was doing something that people in power would rather that he didn't do and in the case of the um what is his name aaron rogers aaron rogers Sorry that I am not up great on all the sports figures. No, it's okay. That was a great talk, by the way, to anybody who is on this side of the the, uh, the fence here with knowing this knowledge and stuff is to, if you're thinking witch trials, again, is mentioning that that's being promoted as a witch trial. And yet, if you go watch the Pat McAfee um, 
if you go watch the interview and then you follow up to all the mainstream outlets, they were calling him names. They were mm -hmm. saying they, that he ruined the team's season. They completely, and this is what I mean about spiritually burning him at the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what would stop that? You know, like the, the problem is that when you look at these moments, the reason it doesn't stop, the reason like horrible things happen to people and bullying behavior happens and canceling happens and it's not very kind and it's shaming. Like that's what it, it looks like. It looks like the time of the witch trials, you know, let's shame and exclude the people who aren't doing what we want them to do. Um, it only ends when finally everybody gets what they wanted or somebody steps up and says, um, actually what I was thinking I wanted isn't as important as like being de a decent human being <laughs> to this individual. Right. And so I don't know, like, it's just like, I was actually in a setting just not too long ago where people talked about Aaron Rodgers and, and did it in a way of, Oh, like, well, Oh, then there's people like that. And did it where it was very snide and, you know, well, of course we aren't like that. Right. Um, and just, it becomes the accepted belief system of, of everybody so much so that nobody can even see that there might be something wrong in not allowing a person to make a particular choice about their body or, you know, or in terms of their health that they have come to, um, in consultation with lots of other people, right? Like the, it's so far outside of what people accept as, as dogma that they just condemn it. And they don't then see that they're behaving in a similar way as, as the people who were accusing others of being witches, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you said that the way you did, because that's exactly how I yeah. feel. Yeah. 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 And the, the very thing that I feel like also that, you know, with that, um, cause you do have this type of like fueling the fire more, um, for say, maybe some people that are taking a stance to be in charge of say their own body and their own choices of what they're going to do as far as whether they're going to get the, whether they're going to get the V or the not or not and stuff. And it's like, um, you also have, you know, yes, there is a painting and like a witch trial of like painting a picture of these anti-vaxxers or whatever you want to call them as well. Um, but in the same sense, I feel like there also is a, a development of, and there's been a development of this other side of the aisle where, yeah, they are not for, um, say the V or, you know, all that type of agenda push and stuff. But instead, they're trying to combat it with not this type, not this type of being like, hey, well, you know, whatever your choice is or whatever. But they're also starting to do the condemning as well of people who do choose to mm -hmm. maybe get it or do choose to like do something like that. And it's like, I feel like that's the very thing where it's like. Yes, you may want to, you know, take a stance on something, but to sit there and criticize other people on their choices or what they're going to do as far as that sense, you know, only is going to create more of this reaction 
from others. And the very thing that you're trying to stand against maybe is only fueling the fire more because therefore now nobody's listening to reason at that point. It's just shouting from from opposite sides of the aisle. And there's no sense of reasoning. Everybody's just reactive to this sort of nature of being like, I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong. Like, and 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 that's the thing that doesn't settle down. And it's like that very that that divisiveness does not allow for that communication to happen. And it's like where you're saying somebody needs to stand up, not that there's got to be some sort of like, like I said, there's some, there's always that other side of the aisle too, that thinks that somebody's going to come and save them as well. And it's like, um, it's not, it's not in that sort of way. It's just that if, if this communication breakdown doesn't, doesn't, you know, if, if it's to stop breaking down in that way, where we're just kind of reactive towards opposite opinions, and instead the communication is allowed to happen in a more reasonable manner, then we're able to see not so much of the difference, but the similarities between each, between each other. And then that's where it's an opposing side is able to stand up for the opposite side and being like, hey, you know, like mm-hmm. this is an injustice. This is this is something that it's like you shouldn't be forcing that as well, you know, and that will be able to allow, you know, whatever side they're on. So say you have the the the, you know, the people who got the jab and who didn't. And, you know, instead of fighting about it or saying who's right, who's wrong, they're able to properly communicate about it and say Mm -hmm. they have a big influential power. The one side that decides like, yeah, get it. And they hear out the other side, then they're able to empathize with the, the the person who maybe feels like they're not getting a choice in the matter and therefore be able to kind of stand up for them as a human and, and for, you know, liberty purposes as well, that would be majorly influential for the side that they stand on as well to support those who decide to, you know, whether they choose to or choose not to as well and mm-hmm. hear them out on that front as well. So it's like, do we see, and that's, I guess maybe this is kind of like the shift of, of, you know, you explained how that happened even for the witch trials where somebody decided to stand up who was well-versed maybe in some of those, um, you know, how the, the clerical ways of, of doing things and that type of, you know, uh, system as well, that they were able to stand up and call out maybe some of the flaws in that system and the injustices. And therefore, people in that system were able to be like, wow, yeah, OK, if this person who's on our side is saying this, you know, maybe there there's something to be heard. And it creates that sort of thing. So it's like, now, can we see that being a possibility like in, in, you know, in this, in, in this case that we're having nowadays and even for you, Jax, like, is there something that kind of, um, creates an actual like social justice, not social justice warrior type, you know, fake woke people and stuff. Is there some sort of, of, um, celestial influence that we can see that may produce that type of outcome on a more collective uh, stance, you know, rather than just being some sort of individual, like Donald Trump is going to come save us now, like Q now, like, you know, I mean, something that's going to be more so of, honestly, I just want to say in more realistic manner. Yeah, I I think, I think for one thing, it's, it's not, uh, it's not going to be a perfect collective realization 
And at the same time, I definitely agree. It's not going to be an individual either. It won't, there's not, there's not, there's no, no person that, that is in particular, um, going to set it all right. However, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, especially not just with Uranus Gemini, I look at there as being several trigger events and the Pluto return, of course, of America is a big one. And it doesn't just apply to America, even though it's for America, because it, it you know, what happens to America, it happens to several other countries immediately, um, you know, uh, based on what, what goes on with us. Um, but you look at the Pluto return and you're going to see a large societal change. I, I, I personally believe that human beings out of impatience, out of um, basically all of a sudden receiving a large amount of truth and wanting to sort through it as quickly as possible. There's going to be a lot of almost happy accidents in the sense that people are going to start to see each other's point of view and get along out of like necessity. I also think that um, there's a big part of this, which is um, recovery to getting back to normal. Because, you know, the, the entire process, we think of all the gears moving again, um, all of the gears back up and running again after there's been so many people who have now seen a total counterexample to how life can go, um, you know, for the worst parts as well as for the better parts. A lot of people have suddenly kind of, you know, found what it is that they want in life and it's pushing them to, to start chasing dreams. You know, it's like it's it's one of the weird positive things that has come out of this whole thing. I, there's a lot of people that are facing their, you know, uh, pursuing actual dreams now because all of a sudden the other jobs were unavailable. And now that they're starting to become available, it's almost like it's too late. You, they've already lost interest. Um, and so the human attention span and what, for a lot of people, it's been shortening over the years, you know, due to things like, uh, you know, technology, of course, um, that, that may have worked for, getting us very corralled successfully, but it also worked against, you know, whatever forces uh, are working there because uh, human beings have now moved on. We're sort of over the way that life was before. So when we go back to normal, it's going to be something completely different. Um, when Basically, as we free ourselves from these shackles, um, life is not going to look as it did. It will. I see a lot of definite improvements in a lot of ways that life's going to be amazing. But essentially, to answer what, what I think your question was, I, I do believe that people are going to have these necessary conversations. And I think that they'll actually have them in a responsible way. Um, I think that uh, that while it seems like we are so polarized. The reality is algorithmically, there is just good money and pushing the illusion of true polarity that rather than the company, uh, the country being split, uh, you know, 50, 50 down the middle, uh, these, you know, people despise these people, et cetera. The reality is there's like 8% on both sides that despise each other. And then there's like a giant portion of normal people who have sensibility and who like think through things and, um, you know, uh, to different, to different degrees and different things. But basically I don't think that we all despise each other. I don't think we all hate each other. I don't think we all truly judge each other. I don't think that, uh, everyone is either incredibly racist or, someone who is playing these bizarre ally games and all these different things. Um, I don't think the world is divided like that. And I think that the moment we're seeing how, how little we're actually divided, then all of those extreme people who currently are being given microphones uh, will, will not there. They won't necessarily talk less, but a lot of the sensible people will talk more. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I definitely think the common, the common ground 
really is, you know, once you kind of dig out past all the layers, every, every person just to see that, Hey, like, um, the common ground would be that it's like things are broken in a sense and they need fixing. And it's not just one group. Everybody has their individual uh, things that they prioritize as maybe what in the world is broken or, you know, not in good shape or something. But we all can come to the common ground of understanding that it's like, hey, you know, we're all suffering some sort of way, like we're all suffering some sort of way. And it's like seeing that type of similarity instead of maybe the polarities of what these agendas are trying to kind of show our differences in a way with this false sense of of um, not wanting to be divisive as well. I think that's the thing that really has to kind of come to ground. And I think that's where the spiritual this whole spiritual warfare or, you know, spiritual awakening is coming into play as well. It's it's because it's like that veil is the one that's being lifted, not necessarily everybody where it's like, oh, you know, the conspiracy theorist of like this thing and this thing who's behind that. It's like more so the veil being lifted to see like, okay, yes, there's definitely deception that was played on and there was definitely things that were manipulated as well. But it's like, where do we see it within ourselves? Where, where are we having that veil be lifted for ourselves to understand that it's like, wow, maybe the things that I was taught to, to put so much emphasis on, or that were so important are not necessarily that important to me anymore, or, or, you know, I'm finding new importance in new things, um, things that are more rooted in not so much of a materialist type of way, things that are rooted on, on a heart-based type of way, you know, things that, you know, being able to find stability in a different sense rather than, you know, maybe monetary security in that sort of sense. And it's funny because you did say the whole, um, you know, that you're seeing with this kind of shift with even the air signs as being something that's kind of coming in as a monetary kind of uh, element as well. And, uh, you know, rather than always being the fixed, I mean, always being the, the earth signs or, or Taurus and, and, you know, that Venus type aspect. And it's like, I definitely agree, especially with, you know, especially with the, the Libran aspect, of course, uh, of trying to stabilize it out of, you know, maybe, you know, moving from centralized type banking to this decentralization and in, in, in money as well. And, and then this innovative, type way of, you know, more people are being innovative in how they accumulate their own wealth, you know, whether that's money or, or not, but accumulating this different innovative, creative way of trying to, um, to make money as well, or, or to just create value in their own life. And you're seeing that. And it's, it's really, I feel like that's the thing that's taking hold. And like the old system structure is trying so hard to hold onto this centralized way of doing things. And I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but like, do you see in the, the astrology as well, that like, this is um, something that's going to pretty much happen where it is going to become decentralized. It is going to become like, say something like crypto. It's, it's going to take, <laughs> yeah. take more, take more of the reins but the potential for that eventually down the road as well to there will be a grab on that and a new structure 
and make it centralized again and keep going through the cyclical process even more. Well, yeah. So yes and no on the decentralized portion, but I'm so glad that you just literally said all that because it sort of triggered a realization that I didn't talk about one of like the most important and interesting things that I believe is coming up based on the astrology, which is the rise of a new independent party. Whether or not they're going to be directly connected to the people that currently call themselves independents, I'm not exactly sure, or the Green Party or anything like that. I'm currently voting for an independent or someone in the Green Party is kind of like treated as a joke, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you don't want to vote for a Republican or Democrat? Okay, you can vote for them. It's not like they're going to win or even make it to the primary debate or anything like yeah. that, but go ahead, man. But it's like, but uh, I believe that they will be crypto funded uh, between 2022 and 2027. Um, the rise of the independent party is going to happen. They're going to be crypto funded. They're going to be focused on literally... Uh, ways in which uh, the American people can make more money. Uh, it's going. It's essentially going to be all about how the American citizen can make money in a world where technology is literally. I mean, over these next ten years, removing such a vast swath of jobs that it's not even going to. You know, it's not even something that we're really fully having the conversation about right now. And they're they're about to be just. Uh, gobbled up essentially. So, um, so that's, I feel like that's going to be their entire focus is about how you, how you can, uh, how you can make more money and how we can provide jobs. And which is interesting because I, I have been racking my brain after sort of reaching that conclusion. What on earth are they exactly going to be offering? What, you know, how, how exactly are they going to be presenting this information? Um, is it related to things like social media? Is it related to, uh, to entertainment or education, which currently I've been saying a lot, you know, since the rise of the digital age that yes, it's like there will be less trust truck drivers, cashiers, things like that to the degree where it's all gone. But at the same time, you could be familiar with baseball cards and make an actual career these days where you could have a, an educational YouTube channel about your baseball cards and how to, you know, grade them and stuff like that, or, or an entertaining one where you're, you know, doing all these different things. The point is like, you can literally make an actual career out of literally anything you're passionate about these days. And that's going to be something that I don't think is, is fully coming into view yet, but, um, you know, entrepreneurship, education, and, uh, entertainment are going to be three giant trees that, that sprout up where manufacturing is going to be given to the robots, you know? Mm, interesting. And, and, do we, and, and then do we see that now? Like that's where I'm kind of like trying to see maybe of the similarities or maybe the shift a little bit, even with say for, and like the, the history, like we've said about as far as like the witch trials and after even that era, um, you know, I think you said that Uranus was in, you know, Gemini uh, as well. So you have, and then I think, right. You said this, there was so like, Uranus Taurus, but yeah, directly afterwards is when it moved. It was literally at the 29th degree of Taurus. Right. Okay. And then, yeah. Or, or and then, so then you're saying, and then you're saying Saturn was opposed, was opposed Uranus as well at some point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Saturn was in a T-square with Uranus, Mars, and Chiron. They yeah. were in Gemini, Sag- Saturn, Sagittarius, and then T-squaring the Neptune and Pisces. That's crazy. I think that's interesting because now even how Ann said about how, you know, we have to remember that there was still this major like kind of industry with slave trade. And, you know, we're talking foreign lands, we're talking commerce, you know, that's that Gemini Sagittarian 
type, you know, bringing from foreign lands as well and stuff. And it's like, you know, seeing that kind of come about, like then what was maybe some of the things that you can say compare with maybe for and what like some of the things besides that, like maybe the innovation leading forward, even with what Jax was saying, as far as the astrology for us now, that is going to possibly occur. Like what, how does that also reflect in back then during that progression of time? Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, while I was listening to Jax, I was thinking about this idea of corporations and Mm -hmm. how the definition of what a corporation was changed during that period of time. And um, I feel like that's changing again in that at the beginning of the time that I look at in history, corporate to be corporate was to just think about how we all are organized in society that you have a king naturally at the head or, or the Pope or whatever, and you've got different levels of society and they are corporately organized and you kind of stay within the order where you were born. And that's how you lived your life. Then you have things that came along and shifted that and allowed certain people to rise and get more power that was connected to currency, right? Being able to have access to actual literal currency. And in fact, uh, economic things had to evolve in order to make way for the, for how the world became organized as a corporate whole. Right. And you literally had corporations emerging and they had to develop things like, um, different types of bookkeeping and the idea of, of credit um, and all of that in order to allow for these bodies of, of individuals who came together in the name of business to be able to run, to run their business. Right. So it was all about sort of on one level, corporate organization in a business sense, but also new ideas about laws protecting corporate bodies, bodies of citizens and moving from ideas of subjects to citizens in some parts of the world, right? And then gradually kicking off the idea of, of being able to own people as property. And, you know, it was all really redefinitions of, of um, what constitutes a, a corporation. So now it seems like we're extending that even more, mm-hmm. right? That if we're developing a type of currency that allows us all to participate and we don't necessarily have to have a centralized bank that's running everything or maybe a, or, or a centralized stock market because the stock market was another in, invention around this period of time too. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of really important banking things were happening right around the same time as the Salem witch trials. So that's wow. interesting. Right. So it just makes me wonder, we're kind of developing this network and structure to move forward with a new type of corporation that maybe I like to think it's more decentralized. It allows us to work together as corporate bodies and maybe shift allegiances or or decide we want to work with these different groups of people, but and kind of circumventing a centralized power, right? That yeah. we're developing all of the things that would allow that to happen, like what Jax was talking about. Yeah, that's Saturn Jupiter yeah. conjunction in Leo. That's where I yeah. see the difference in where he uh, Jax had said the uh, it was for like the powers that be to gain that so that you know that king like uh, mm-hmm. self actualization. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, and this is all about this is all about us. And I agree. It's through through uh, crypto, for example, that um, we can sort of start superseding the government, like in so many different ways. Which is part of why Neptune Pisces they're constantly talking about. Well, we might put a tax on this. We might, you know, put restrictions on this. It's like you guys, you're only able to touch some of what you're talking about. You're not even able to touch so much of this. We can, we, a, a new economy exists outside of what you can actually reach in and touch now. Like you could absolutely affect your individual citizens. So if you go to somewhere like, you know, China and they say it's banned, it's like, well, you told people it was going to be banned for months and months and years beforehand giving them more than enough time to move it somewhere else so that, you know, it's technically not in their possession, which was on purpose. And China, of course, has plenty of crypto connections and investments they've made. And so they, all the governments understand during this whole Neptune Pisces time that they're going to, they're going to tell the average person like, oh, don't get into crypto. It's just a vault. And when they do, when they do say something encouraging, it's always something like Dogecoin or something, because then they know that people will invest with an expectation. It will fail to meet their expectation and it will sour their opinion on crypto. And then all of a sudden, Neptune Aries and uh, the government's going to be like, yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, crypto is the way forward, you guys. It's like, yeah, we knew, you know, we knew about it. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's crypto tangents. I'm full of them. Yeah. No, I'm just I really excited it. about crypto. I just love we it. should We should definitely eventually go more into another you know, I'm sure there's many ways that this can be branched off as well. This conversation in different types of areas as well, even industrial revolution, same thing. Yeah, when it comes to even even this with currency as well. Like it's just it's just crazy. I had I had a I had a thought on something. Um, I had a thought on something that was said. And now I it kind of slipped past me, but um, yeah, I I mean it's just this. Entire, it's amazing how when you look at the history and then you see obviously the importance of knowing certain details of the history. And then when understanding astrology in a certain sense, that's not just some sort of, you know, horoscope, horoscope, you know, woo woo or something like that. Like you see that it's like, this is a blueprint of reality and nature and basically how there is seasons, you know, on grand scales to more micro scales of the seasons. And there's a type of theme or essence to these type of, uh, of seasons. And we can see it in all parts of, of nature, you know, on once again, the bigger scale or the smaller scale, and then even within consciousness as well, because of the outer influence as well. So when you are able to like, and I think this is the point of even what me and Ray have been trying to kind of display is the fact of like that there is this natural uh, coding within our reality, within the matrix, whatever you want to call it, this innate intelligence that kind of has its own system of how it moves, um, you know, on the outside of us and through us, within us, all that, all of that. And it's like there comes a point of not pointing fingers anymore and stop always looking outside of yourself for answers. You know, you can reflect on the things and have a knowing or an inner knowing or an understanding of what's kind of occurring. Um, and then being able to reflect it inward to then be able to see it in all things and see this type of process that's kind of going on and understanding it as natural 
uh, it's a nature in a cyclical fashion in a cyclical fashion as well. And I think that also allows us within our own psychology to understand the main important thing of when maybe going through a rough season is understanding mm-hmm. that it's like it has to come to an end eventually yeah. too. You know, that's the thing. And I, I constantly always push it. And Ray knows that I'm always talking about, um, you know, with the elements and with nature that it's always the generative, you know, force at first, then it's the conservation of the energy, then there's the corruption of energy, and then the destruction, and then it happens again. And you see that even with, you know, even with the elements of the signs, you know, with fire, earth, uh, air and water, you know, you see that kind of nature happening as well. And seeing it in that light definitely, I feel like, opens up a whole new liberating perspective on life in general, even when interacting with people and on, you know, participating in society. You know, it allows for this acceptance of yourself and allows acceptance for what kind of going on around you and not victimizing yourself as well. So it's really, really interesting. And I love hearing the, 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 the historical side of it mixed with the more celestial esoteric and and the spiritual side of things and you know that emergence i think we're also seeing that now more so is like there's more of an awareness and awakening to this connection to all things and seeing the syncretism and everything as well and that's kind of the direction that even we want to lead into is being able to have all these different inputs and showing the connections as well Yep. Yeah. And you, you talked about cycles and Ray talked about evolution and that's astrology. It's always the exact same story and it's always a completely different story. It's always evolving because you can go back 250 years and be like, okay, I found exactly where Pluto was. It's like, great, but where are all the other planets? It's like, oh, in a totally different combination. And like, you can go back farther and farther. There's infinite combinations and it will always be a different story and it will always be the same story. So I thought that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And and that's, uh, it's something that, because I had the awakening young at 2012, my, like my house was taken from Sandy. I lost my relationship for three years. I had all this stuff, death of the ego. And then I'm looking at my chart and that's what really kind of pushed me through because I began at zeitgeist zeitgeist showed me the whole questioning nine 11 questioning religions, quite whatever. And that led me to astrology. And then, so as I'm going through it, I'm a musician, right? So I, that my right side of the brain, I'm very pattern oriented when it comes to, I notice when things happen again. And so that's when I noticed that my niche was definitely with astrology because astrology is that language is that pattern language of cyclic, but, but pattern based, like you have to use that part of the mind to then put things together in some sort of puzzle fashion, but it's a creative way. Like, and, and I noticed the best astrologers always have a creative way of, of doing it. Right. And so, and, and you, I've heard you say even about David Palmer, it, when he channels on deep astrology, it's like he snaps in and it's imagination. And any astrologer that's doing that is then now tapping in, I think, to that extra layer, that extra realm that we're all starting to discover. And at first with my awakening, it wasn't really about that. It was just, hey, I just want to know the truth. Um, I'm using my logical mind to figure out conspiracies. And then you go so long trying to catch a conspiracy or trying to figure something out. And then you realize that, wow, things wait are repeating. And so they're repeating, but what's the, what's the factor here? What's causing it? And then boom, you hit the, you, the astrology and you're like, oh my God, there it is. And so 
it leads into the next section here because we can move into that matrix code because that's what I'm trying to present here, that this symbolic language not only pops up with the stars, right, which is the main holy story, the holy science, but also with everything else, with numbers, with people in your life, with certain the most littlest things that people are just like, oh, it was a coincidence, whatever. It's no, this is the, this is a level of synchronicity that we just haven't been aware of. And so if we're talking about history or our own lives, that if people learn to understand, it's not about just manifesting the life of your dreams, positive thinking, it's this and that. It's just like the law of attraction and all of that. It was great to tap you in to realize that it does work like this, like you attract things, but then astrology and the divination tools allow you to say that, yeah, but there's something God wants from you, or there's something that your higher self wants from you before you can then go manifest the life of your dreams. So if there was this key moment or key part of my awakening, which I believe everybody hits in their own way, is that that synchronicity factor and the fact that the symbolic language of the universe is probably like, if you're aware of it and you're, you're, you're able to decipher it and see it for yourself, you are now more than halfway awoke to, to, to the truth that God speaks to you. The universe speaks to you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I obviously agree, but it's not something that academically as a historian, right. When I would be in the archive, for example, and I would have been thinking about, Oh my gosh, I really wish I could find out about Hannah Lee. She's one of my favorite women who was anonymous and, I didn't know anything about her. Um, and I needed to find more. Like I, I accidentally stumbled upon documents that gave me the information, right? You see that enough times where things just pop out in, in just your documents that it's just, you know, I mean, I don't even know. I I've lived my whole life feeling like I feel a sense of the divine anyway, right? We don't we don't all get to talk about that in ordinary life, but it's certainly there. And but I guess there are people. So for me, it's like I I have I have to understand, oh, there's people who don't feel like that. So to me, it's like, well, what's what is it about those people? What's going on with somebody who doesn't feel the divine at work or doesn't see that divine language? I mean, you and you can see it in history for sure. Like you were saying. Yeah. And well, I think that could maybe correlate with the chart. Where are they at in their spiritual journey? And a lot of spiritual people or a lot of people who are say awake and trying to wake up the collective. I do believe there's this sector of the collective that's just going to do this naturally and not have those divine moments, not need to say connect to God on a conscious level, but yet just experience things in life. And so it's, I think it's very important for uh, people who are teaching this type of stuff or that are awake to realize that certain people are going to need to see it or hear it a specific way. And I think the universe or God knows that more than anybody that some person maybe doesn't need to even know astrology, which I do believe is going to be in the age of Aquarius, which rules astrology is going to be huge. But I'm just making a point that everybody on their d divination journey in a way, I don't think has to be expressing this language or be so connected to the divine in a way where it has to be this dressed up thing of, Oh, I'm, I do yoga and I speak this way and I see synchronicities. It could be normal people. And I think that's up to, to their own higher self, to the, to the universe itself for them to see it. But our goal would be to, I think, speak our part. And then whoever is meant to hear these things that works right in line with the synchronicity factor that someone's going to have a synchronicity falling upon this podcast. 
and see that and maybe has never even heard this stuff and decided to let themselves listen to it. It happened to me with this guy, Bill Donahue. Bill Donahue, who does his hidden meanings on, on YouTube, deciphered the Bible for me. And I completely saw the, the syncretism and the parallels to astrology and all yeah. of that. And the, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you if you go one, one of his videos, it's like from the nineties, got these big glasses and it was a video about Gemini he had. And I couldn't tell you why I was like, no, I feel like, uh, it's just weird. It's a little old. I don't know if I'm going to get anything. You know what? I'm going to watch it. That little moment changed six years of my life and where I had to my studies and who I found. And so, but I, for some reason, I, I don't feel like I decided that, that I allowed my intuitive side to allow me to take me there. So I think with all of us, it's going to be in its own way. And so I wouldn't, mm. and why I bring this up in is because that is, it's a great realization that you're like, Hey, people, I don't know, like if they have these certain realizations or they see these things this way, but they probably do, but just are unconscious of it or that they don't even need to, you know, it's not their Maybe it's not their time to rise. And mm. so we have to maybe be conscious of, this is why, like I'm saying, don't be certain. Don't be so, I believe this, you should believe this. Because yeah. who knows who you're throwing off track? You know, there are a few YouTubers that say the reality itself is alive and it tries to manipulate you. And then there's this archonic uh, force after you die and they try and trap you and don't go into the light and, and all this stuff. And they're certain. And it says truthers in a, and, and the best teachers are actually students. And so we always have to just be in that mindset and be able to be, you know, open-minded and have our ears open. And I think that's the biggest problem with the collective is not what they believe, but how they think, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's definitely like, it's an, it's an evolutionary process. It, it definitely is. And I think there's layers to it. There's levels as well. Like, um, yeah, maybe certain people, you know, even if they aren't on a certain you know, typical maybe dogma that, you know, whether they're Christian or whatever. Cause like, I mean, for example, I could even say for myself, like, you know, I've grown up, I grew up very, uh, very Christian and stuff, not in, not in the Catholic, you know, type of way of, of, of doing that as well. I actually kind of was taught to like, look at that as like, not a real connection, which that changed because I'm not saying that Catholics are not connected to God or anything, but um, I was instilled with a deeper sense of being able to connect with the divine um, that didn't necessarily need all the definitions of in a religious way as well. Sure, I had them. But as I got older, um, of course, I had questions. I had certain speculations on things as well. Um, but I also saw the fear factor that came into play as well of being scared of the things that I was thinking. And it didn't feel good. It didn't feel liberating as well. But I also always had this sense of being like, well, I know it's there. I know that it's connected. I, I, I can feel how it's working. I just can't logically maybe define certain things. And that was the beauty of astrology and all of this, you know, as it led was because it allowed me to logically <clears throat> define things as well. Not necessarily as like a definite, you know, just being able to say things or express it in a certain way that helped paint a better picture for me as well to then internalize it further and be able to allow it to activate in a stronger level. There's, I believe that there's plenty of people that are divinely connected 
in a sort of way or have this sort of connection that maybe they don't necessarily talk in a religious fashion. Maybe they don't even talk in a spiritual sort of way or even astrologically or any sort of way. They don't use certain divination tools, but they can still have it. I believe there's a different, just just different levels of of uh, expression of it or how we externalize it or internalize it as well. Um, and that's not to say one is better than the other. And I think that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is, is even just the sense of how you're able to have an inner knowing of it and how to work with it as well for yourself. And I think that's what it comes down to in the end of the day, no matter what you're trying to learn in the esoteric realm or the occult or anything, no matter what, in the end of the day, it's about your own, or even astrology, you know, that, it's about your own self-awareness. It's about how can you understand yourself better to improve your own perspectives, improve your own, you know, emotional well-being, your own thinking and, and, and everything to be able to create better outcomes for yourself through your thinkings, beliefs, your actions and everything as well. You know, that was main thing that I felt played a factor for me. That was like the missing key was that because I was able to start logically defining certain ways of being or thinking. And it gave me a perspective of myself that maybe I wouldn't have naturally came to my own, you know, and who's to say that's not natural, but, you know, looking at the astrology, you know, pointed out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Parts of myself that maybe most people would be like, ah, you know, like that, like that. No, that's, that's wrong or something like that. And instead it made me look at it. It's like, Hmm, I do see those tendencies are there. Maybe in my own thoughts, maybe in my own feelings, maybe I don't express that or show that, but I know it's there. And yeah. that was something that got me to like, check myself and then understanding the ego a little bit better. And, you know, ego gets thrown out. So, so volatile all the time, like whether to destroy the ego, transmute the ego, all these things. And like, also I've realized that the ego is not a bad thing. The ego is a protector as well. In a certain sense, it's something that needs to be balanced out and understood. Um, and you know, that's the type of way that maybe some of these divination things allow you to further connect with that and connect with this, this inner knowing of yourself. And then to then be in more harmonious divine connection and, and lead yourself through life in that sort of way. And then being able to notice it outside of yourself as well. This way you can kind of more learn to immediately respond instead of react to certain things, being able to see maybe somebody else's process, you know, being able to understand something that's going on and therefore have a little bit patience for something as well, or knowing when to separate or go to something, you know, it's riding the current. Yeah. The inner knowing that was the, what mm -hmm. I took that most right. And that, and that relates to your history moment, right? So the inner knowing triggered this, wait, something's going on here. You see it, you saw it in your own way. You had to go do what you love to do and experience it. And something happens and you go, 
oh my God, I think I'm a little more open-minded. This thing keeps happening. And that's where you go back to astrology and you're like, oh, I think that's why, you know, that gives you the reason. So with Jax, like, have you had, like, was, was there a trigger moment where you saw matrix code that you realized that the universe talks to you or that you realized that there was something metaphysical going on to where there was this pattern oriented thing that kept happening in your life that then led to you saying, I have to go check this out. Yeah. So I guess for me, that would be back. That would be back when I was 13. Um, because before that I was, as a child, I was always interested in, in learning about magic, essentially learning about magic, learning about these different things, learning about legends, learning about old stories. Um, because there was something that just felt so familiar in a way that I couldn't, you know, describe. And then it was 13 where I started having actual manifestations of, you know, different psychic things happening, um, different things that I saw. And then it was just, it suddenly became literal. And, um, I had grown up in a cult actually, it's a Christian based cult, um, that, uh, that I was raised in until I was about 15 before I was able to leave uh, California and go to Oregon. And, and I was able to do whatever I wanted after that. But and that's when I started, you know, spiritual study, like to a maximum degree. But before that, um, you know, I, uh, basically what I just kept noticing is that I just kept being called. Like, it's funny. Cause you know, if you, uh, ask a, a priest about their story, you know, they'll say like that they were called, you know, by God or whatever. But the interesting thing is that terminology almost perfectly matches. It is this feeling of like, you've got to go learn this. You've got to go learn what's going on inside of you. Mm. You've got to learn, you've got to remember this song that wasn't saying in this lifetime, it was saying in a previous one, you've got to remember it now. You know, you've got to, you've got to remember your song. And so it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's impossible. It's an impossible thing to describe. It's almost as if you have to take on the mantle or the responsibilities that a you that didn't exist in this lifetime took on. Um, and it just, it, it applies to the way that you think and the way that you speak to people, the way that you behave. It's like a divine responsibility. You just are supposed to, and it's, it's bigger than you are. Um, and, but the thing is, I definitely spent plenty of time just denying that or pushing that away or, you know, uh, basically, you know, age of about 15, it was just all about girls, you know, it just became about girls for a few years. And then uh, I was like, Scorpio, you know, we're conditioned. For that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I was like 27 and I was like, okay, okay. Now it's time to focus. You know, so after nine years, like it's time to focus on, you know, who I am. And then, so, um, yeah, it just became a, a really interesting journey from that point on and uh, going out into the world and talking about it. But I mean, the biggest thing to me is um, I put everything through this filter of being like organically occurring. It's something that is like very, I'm very obsessed with this concept. And uh, it, it's basically, I'm not opposed to learning something from a book. I'm not opposed to learning something from a uh, very uh, classic teacher who, you know, wants to explain what multiple generations before has done. But to me, what means everything in the world is when I w literally will walk out into the desert or something and I'll get this feeling that comes from just the, the divine and it tells me to go in this direction. And then I find 
let's just say, for example, it's a beetle, right? I find a specific three-striped beetle. And then I, you know, go home later that day and I look it up and turns out the three-striped beetle is about, you know, abundance in this particular way, abundance after tragedy. And then someone talks to me, then texts me, hey, oh my God, this particular thing just happened. It was a total tragedy. And then I recognize the connection of it and then something wonderful happens. And and that is like a constant state that I feel like I'm in. That feels like the way that I live is through intuition. And I feel like that's how a lot of other people do it too. But I also feel like there's a propensity or a temptation to jump the shark and then say, ah, well, this particular author said that the reason for, you know, experiencing this is due to, you know, this particular thing going on in your morphogenic field. And, and as long as you do that, you know, you ground with this crystal in particular, then right, and you right, keep right. it at you know, east five degrees. And that to me is where everything becomes a problem because you've taken something organically occurring and then you, you've tried to jerry rig it into, into some sort of a very, Capricornian controlled, yeah. you know, system that does not match the feeling of intuition. Intuition is water, you know, intuition is, it's right. water. It's not it's opposite. like, yeah, exa- right? exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah and it's, so, but right. And I'm glad you mentioned all that because that's uh, what, what I wanted to do then, because we almost hit three hours. Like, dude, that, that just, I, yeah, right? I was just about to tell you guys, I'm so sorry, but I was, I was no, going to have to go here in the next right. few minutes, but it sounds like you're, yeah. Yep. So we were going to stop it here because we, I mean, in this, we really hit everything we wanted to talk about so far, which is, you know, and brought up to me last week, the Salem witch trials. And I kept seeing that everywhere. So we hit that, we hit the astrology, we hit history. And what we wanted to ask you guys, if you were available for as a continuation on that I'm in. code talk. Okay. Yeah. And, Anne, I don't know yeah. if you're, if you're down course. for that. And, and yeah. honestly, if this ends up being a, a real, like, you know, it seems that we have a great rapport that I would love to do this maybe periodically with you guys um, on whatever channel, if you guys have a thing going on, or if you want to keep coming here or whatever, but we're, we'd be happy to keep going. And so I wanted to end on, um, so one, thank you both for all the information. I'm having a great time. Just, you know, I'd love yeah. to keep going and I understand it is getting rather late, but, um, yeah. And but I just yeah. had people come in here. That's I'm sorry. I was distracted, but my kids came back from, from their worldly things. So yes, mm. we now it's now time to turn inward. <laughs> well, I mean, but, we could have say, like if everyone wants to say one last piece before we get off. Mm. So Jack. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I think this has really been an interesting conversation as well. I sort of like the direction it took. And, you know, it's funny, my experience, I suppose, with this podcast was that I've actually had several of these thoughts independent of each other, then they were non-connected. And after after some of the specific questions that you guys asked or some of the things that we just sort of got into organically, um, uh, it, it almost, it just all sort of, uh, made a lot of connections. So it's really interesting. I, I definitely learned a lot from this podcast, even about stuff that I thought I already knew. That's the goal. Awesome. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. And I've learned a lot also. And, um, I really appreciate you guys letting us come in here to your, your home. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about Pluto and cancer. So of course we've got to talk about the home, but, um, yeah, I really look forward to continuing these kinds of conversations. You know, I'm really interested in in how history interplays with this world today, with our world today. And I hear a lot these days of people kind of questioning if history matters, 
and whether and I feel passionately that it does. And I think these kinds of conversations are what demonstrate why it does matter and why it is still relevant and why it does connect to the future and the present. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to having more conversations. And um, and I have to put a plug in that Jax and I are working on something else, too. You'll be hearing right, about yeah. soon. Yes. Uh, I don't know how much we want to say right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, say your piece on that and then also let everyone know where I mean, at least with Jackson, I know you and I don't know if you're promoting more stuff on your social media lately or or meaning like if you're going to be more, say, active or even are thinking about a website for your work or stuff. I know that you Mm -hmm. do the professor stuff. You're starting this stuff with Jax. But do you have like where people can reach you and all that? Um, I do have for my social media, people could do, um, history for healing, which is where I've been doing a lot of historically minded posts, because I also enjoy linking history to things like spirituality, which I don't get to do as a professor Mm -hmm. and I will be developing more stuff, but that's where people can first, um, look for me and then there will be more. Awesome. And Jax, you have the Instagram and website, right? Uh, yeah, jacksatlantis.com. Um, that's when people can find my classes and stuff. And then I'm on, um, TikTok, Instagram, and you, I'm basically everywhere as just jacksatlantis. So yeah, you can find me on pretty much everything. Sweet deal. All right. And, uh, last but not least, Gio, you got anything to say? Well, one, definitely <laughs> just want to say thank you for both of you guys coming on because this one, I mean, it's great because it appeases both sides of my mercurial mind with, you know, that's my big thing and why I've always resonated even when I first, um, when I first saw in and how she's presented the history as well. And then obviously when it mixed with the astrology, but it resonated because the, um, linear fashion of things, um, and those types of details and, and the chronological things as well is very appeasing for me being, you know, Virgo ascendant, like that's how I like to mm. pursue things. Um, Mercury and Aries as well. So Make sun see, and Taurus. yes. And sun and Taurus. So it's like, I kind of needed in that sort of way. So this talk has been amazing to help connect, you know, the very spiritual thing. I mean, if you're going whole sign, I got the sun in the ninth as well. So it's like, you know, I like the pursuit of this Jupiter in the 12th as well. Um, but, um, yeah, so thank you again for you guys coming on. It's like, this is, um, this is great. And I'd love to continue, continue to talk. Awesome. Definitely. All mm-hmm. right. Well, thank you both. We'll let you, we'll let you go and, uh, we'll be in touch. And as for the listener too, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I hope you would, you know, I know that we're all interesting people and we say good things. So I, I would hope that's what we want, but, um, till next time. Yeah. Awesome. See you guys. Bye. Later.